Hello and welcome to the Min-Max Show. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Jeff Markiafava, hey. Kyle Hilliard, hi, and Anna Diaz. Hi. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> Thank New you. New voice to the show. Thank you so Thanks. much for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Yes, absolutely. Friend of the show, uh, Ava from Glitch. I was talking to her a while ago and I was like, do you know any voices that you'd recommend for being on the Min-Max Show podcast at some point? And she didn't let me finish the sentence. She said, Anna, get Anna, <laughs> get Anna. Uh, you're helping out with Glitch in some ways now? Yeah, so I announced yesterday, officially, I am a producer there. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. So making some nebulous, maybe podcastable content in yep. the future. Yeah, so it's all unannounced for now, but um, it'll be gaming content, and I'm super stoked to be there. They're a great community, and they love video games. So. Yeah, they're so sweet. And so they're the publisher of HyperDot. Friends of the show, HyperDot, right. uh, were supporting this month and stuff. We actually streamed it for the great Cody Hunt, if you want we to did. find out what it actually looks like. Because God bless the $10 supporters on Patreon that choose what we stream every week. They went with Dark Crystal Age of Resistance <laughs> tactics. And it's like, all right, we're doing what we the people tried. want. And we tried it for a while, and then Jeff, um, uh, just, he could not survive no. the Age of Resistance. <laughs> really? So we just I mean, you like that genre, though, right? It, but it, it just was not, it, we don't you. need to talk about it. <laughs> okay. it you can find on. the archive of Jeff beating his head against the well, wall Well, you should have deleted that. Uh, you're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anna, also in your history, Twin Cities Geek, which mm-hmm. I follow on Twitter. I feel like a lot of people in the yeah. Twin Cities, it'll bubble up. You wrote for them, but then also Polygon as well. Yep. Yeah, I just finished, or not just now, but... I was there for a summer as an editorial intern, so I was full-time in their newsroom in New York. Yeah. Uh, not like the best person, but you have a favorite person to work with over there? <laughs> and worst. Let's go yeah, ahead and yeah. Get that let's get the too. full polygon dirt here. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it was a really meaningful experience because I got to work with writers whose reporting I've been reading for a long time. So um, it was really great to work with Patricia Hernandez. Um also, shout out to my friends Petrana and Palmer, who, yeah, are also great young reporters yeah. in, in games and entertainment. Yeah. Awesome. So what's your history with Minnesota? And it's not a requirement to be on the Mid-Max Show podcast, but it's like it's cool that you have some connection that you came back from New York to Minnesota. But did you grow up here? Yeah. So I lived here for six years as a child in central Minnesota in a town of 1,200 people. Which <laughs> town? Avon. Avon. I don't know what I'm saying. It's most known for the Wobegon Trail. Garrison Keillor, like, based the show off of it. I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah. I, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a beautiful place. Okay. Um, and I also have extended family here. I went to college here and just like it generally here. Yeah. So came back. Oh, that's sweet. That's yeah. sweet. Well, thanks for swinging by the cold, dark basement. Like, <laughs> yeah. It seems okay now. I promise the temperature will plummet in this room. <laughs> and so, yeah, we're all going to be great. Uh, also, Chrono Trigger. The game club goes on. This is the deepest dive on Chrono Trigger. Jeff, you are wincing like you haven't I, gone through the ending at this point. I've been playing every day. Uh, is there a lot to go through still? I don't know. That's the thing. I'm so not, that The third section is... Pretty uh, bloated. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we tried breaking it up into three perfectly evened out sections. <laughs> and we failed. Well, that's <laughs> fine. So uh, it's going to be on... February 12th is we're going to be posting our final discussion for Chrono Trigger, which covers everything in the game from the Kingdom of Zeal through the potentially multiple endings of Chrono Trigger. Um, and on the 10th, then, February 10th, is when we'll have the post on Patreon saying, hey, please leave your comment with very specific insight there. So if you're playing along with us, please look out for that post on February 10th, and then we'll have that standalone thing. It'll be on the YouTube channel, and then the audio version will be available for $5 supporters as well, the Patreon. Um, but it is the deepest dive into Chrono Trigger, and we've been having a good time with it so far. Uh, I can't imagine we'll talk about Chrono Trigger today. 
This we'll is <laughs> a special episode uh, where we're going to talk about the Super Nintendo. Uh, we're going to run through our top five favorite Super Nintendo games of all time. Jeff, I'm, I'm very curious about you because you seem like the most classical gamer in the room. That's the way of just saying old, right? <laughs> yeah, old and boring and uh-huh. stale. Yeah. yeah, I want to see what you choose. We're going to go around the room a little <laughs> bit and uh, list our five favorites. Other things, though, um, Final Fantasy Seven update i'm familiar with as it. always uh the remake they just released that new trailer last week uh, i posted a reaction video if you want to see that you can find it on our youtube channel and stuff that trailer is wild it's like the most they've revealed in a trailer since like the big re-unveiling of the project the most english voice acting at this point probably probably and yeah. that still remains like the thing that i'm most concerned about is just it's, some of that dialogue but... but then there's like moments of i just what i love about seven is just how goofy it can be, you know? And I feel like there are moments in that trailer where it's like, okay, I'm feeling better. Like, seeing Scarlet, like, using somebody else from Shinra as, like, a footstool. It's like, okay, I'm glad that it has, like, some sense of humor and it's not just Advent children. What am I going to do? <laughs> Cloud, like, I want silly Final Fantasy VII to be packed in there in some way. But And then also that Roach character, like, the new guy on uh, the motorcycle. His line is also good. It's like, I don't know if it's the actor or just his dialogue. But in that trailer, it's like, okay, that guy might have some more personality than, than most. And he's, he's a brand new character? He is brand new. Oh, yeah. What a strange thing. Okay. Well, Was that the trailer with Cloud and, like, wearing the dress? Yeah. And, yeah, I only exclusively saw memes of that <laughs> yeah. circulating. Yeah. He's, Even he's that's, very stern. Like, he looks that's, really yeah. weird. He looks yeah. like a doll. He just has, let's say, blank stare as this guy's like, oh, beauty is on the inside, uh, Cloud. He just will not have it. It's such a weird thing, too, because it's like, I don't know how they handle that scene. It's basically showing everything now, but they're trying to spin it for being like, oh, gender doesn't matter. It's what the inside. It's beauty. But it's like the entire point of that scene is like, ha ha, look at him. He's in the dress. And it seems like that's still in effect for the remake. So it's like very curious how they navigate that. Um, Kyle, you wanted to talk about the deft hand, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, the classic Square Enix deft hand. Uh, You want to talk about some mobile game, Kyle? You would not leave this room without talking about a mobile game? Uh, Yeah, that thing I specifically told you we could not talk about if we uh, got – but um, it's it's just – so it's this free-to-play mobile game and there's like flags that raise immediately where it's like – you know, there's microtransactions and it's free-to-play and you have to wait to play. There's all these things that are like reasons that you probably don't want to play and it's fine. But it's called Stampede. And what it is, like, I just really like the core mechanic of the game. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Pursuit Force for PSP? No. Okay. It was a launch title for the PSP, and the idea was, like, you would leap from car to car. Like, it was a third-person action game where you would drive, and you would get close to a car, and then you could leap out of the car into the next car and take that over. It's kind of yeah. like your beloved driver, San Francisco, but, like, instead of, like, being a spirit, you're actually a, a human character jumping from car to car. Huh. So the idea of the mobile game is like you're running through a stampede and you're riding an animal and you leap from animal to animal. And like as long as you like stay on the animal long enough, you can capture it and like build out this zoo. And I just it, I, the, <laughs> and you wait, found you this build a zoo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're, zoo tycoon you're capturing, except stampeding. Yeah, yeah. You're capturing animals to like mm. grow out the zoo. But like the core mechanic, it's a uh-huh. one handed vertical game, which is like all I want from mobile games is like, you know, simple to play. Right. That mechanic of leaping from animal to animal is is super fun and very cool and it's a game that I'm returning to. And uh, you found this frequency. based on IGN giving it a 9.8? That's right. Um, uh, no, my daughter found it who obsessively plays awful, awful, awful mobile games that I yeah. constantly approve for her and I'm like, you really want to play this? But this one, she I watched her play over her shoulder and I was like, that looks really cool. So that's like the weird way so that I found it. The phone away I took her, the, her so. phone away from her and started playing it. So it's called Stampede, and it's like it's. I was impressed by it, and I like it. When we make our list of two tens of the greatest games of twenty twenty, <laughs> will you bring up Stampede on iOS? If it if it clicks, 
in the way Grindstone did for me, I totally would be open for that. That's a tall order, it's, isn't it? I, it? It's not there yet. But I'm just <laughs> okay. saying I'm open to it. Just because yeah, yeah. it's like a, a free-to-play mobile game doesn't mean it's like out of the running, is out of the stampede, yeah. if you will. So, okay, check I'll it go out. Go with it, stampede. Um, also, big news of the week. Very confusing reveal uh, on Tuesday that Dan Hauser is leaving Rockstar. And I think some of you might be saying, I don't know the name Dan Hauser. That's because Rockstar has a veil of secrecy over the entire thing, and they don't like having public faces out there. But um, one of the founders of Rockstar going through the entire saga, um, incredibly important to the overall design of Rockstar Games, specifically the writing. Like He's been yeah. writing on Rockstar Games for so long now and has been a huge part of it. It's crazy to have somebody at the top of the company also theoretically getting in the weeds and doing so much writing on games up to Red Dead Redemption 2, which I would argue is probably one of the best written games of all time. Yeah, I mean, it it will change things there. Right. For sure. I mean, it might not be like immediately apparent, but like things are shifting there. Yeah, and it's wild. Like, uh, So Sam Hauser is his brother and he's still there. But the way this was revealed was through a financial reveal. It's like, oh, by the way, uh, Dan Hauser, uh, he's been on leave since 2019 on vacation and now he's going to be leaving for real in March. And so it's it's a little bit like the, do you remember the, we need the Benz. When Benzies left a couple years ago, that was also like, okay, it was an extended leave, and then he was kind of pushed out of the company, and there's oh, a lawsuit, yeah, the whole yeah. saga. And so this is one of those things like, okay, also the extended leave, and then also Dan Hauser of all people is leaving. It's pretty wild. And Yeah. Is it know, a retirement? Because he doesn't – I mean, I would speculate that he does not need to work if he doesn't want yeah, to. I cannot imagine. You know? As a founder of that studio. Uh, no know? one knows. It's really just that one line of saying like, oh, thanks for his contributions throughout the years. Okay, bye. And, you know, he's not going to do a big exit interview. It would be awesome if he did. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of questions about what it means. I mean, there's also other writers involved throughout Rockstar in the years. So it's not a matter of like, oh, it's going to be 100% a different voice. And I think Rockstar also is such a distinct vibe for the writing in their games, depending on what series it is, right? That like they have enough to work off of where they mm-hmm. can move forward and it won't be night and day but it is a huge shift for Rockstar overall so yeah I wonder if there's like if Dan sort of is more like the Red Dead guy you know like if there's one franchise that he is like particularly involved in like that stuff's never clear you know right like, what he prefers to be involved in or yeah like maybe he like took that. the lead on Red Dead and his brother takes the lead on you know I think no GTA I think Hauser's still something. pretty heavily involved with yeah. GTA but again I mean I know they're both really involved but you know it's kind of like the Coen brothers right like one does the actor yeah. directing one does the camera directing and now whatever. one's gonna split off and make his own Macbeth film Oh, very exciting. <laughs> Finally. Uh, but yeah, it's like one of those things like, boy, it'd be nice to know exactly what's going on here. Please do more interviews, Rockstar. Please open up those doors and let us figure out what the hell is going on in there. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, you also insisted on talking about Zombie Army 4. <laughs> you really don't want me to talk about things that I'm enjoying. No, no, no. Yeah. How is this Zombie Army 4 game? I'm uh, only hesitant good. because it's a game called Zombie Army 4. The name sounds like if there was a sitcom where like yes. a kid was like wanted to play a video game he, and they it would be called Zombie Army 4 Dead War. Mm-hmm. You know what Dead I mean? Like War. that's what it's called. Yeah, that's okay. like that's the game that Bart Simpson wants to play mm-hmm. that his mom won't let him. But I mean it's it's so it's from the Sniper Elite guys. It's okay. from that studio, but it is basically like a Left 4 Dead mixed with that sort of sniper gameplay. And I yeah. think it works pretty well. Like and there's also it's it it distinguishes itself from Left 4 Dead like A by being third person and then also like the when you get a certain number of zombie kills, you can like rush into the the crowd and like do an up close kill to regain health. And like so it it like 
I like it because it just keeps the action moving as you're sort of trying to make your way through, yeah. you know, these like big hordes. And like you still get that like slow-mo sniper kills and stuff like that, which is like the Sniper Elite series is really known for. So how does that work with multiplayer then? Uh, so the, it'll start and um, and then it like the game basically pauses for everyone. And and the other players can skip it if they want. Yeah. Which when I was playing co-op, the person that I was playing with would constantly like skip it, and I'd be like, "Come on, man, I want to see my kill. What this is going to look awesome?" But uh, I reviewed it for IGN. I gave it a seven out of ten. It's not. It it doesn't like. It doesn't feel like it does anything that Left for Dead or World War Z like hasn't already done, but it does yeah. it well. And like the sort of health mechanic, like makes it unique and it's the story is like so ridiculous and stupid like Mm -hmm. they sort of lean into the absurdity of that name and like the ending was like made me laugh to a certain degree so i i I enjoyed it if you like left for dead if you like world war z like this is definitely like it is a uh like mechanically solid like it works well like the online works well the game i i did run into a few bugs but they weren't like game breaking things sure so like if you like that genre like this this game surprised me like I, I, it was better but than any world. To be. Is it really better than going back and just playing Left 4 Dead? Well, it's different. Yeah. Like the the sort of like the health mechanics of it, and like the focus on sniping does make it feel a little different, which is yeah. cool. And like and the levels are well designed. Like the sort of the path that you have to go through the levels are well done and stuff like that. So like it is, I it is worth playing. Like Left 4 okay. Dead is still great. Left 4 Dead is still the best. And I think I actually would put World War Z slightly above. Army Zombie Army Four Dead War, right? Um, but like, it's a total solid entry into that genre. Okay, so cool. I, I would recommend it if you like that that style of game. Because like, also the other thing is Valve has pretty explicitly said, like recently, they're like, we're not working on Left. Yeah, Red we 3. haven't for years, which yeah. is really interesting that so, they would just come out and say that. And then, on, yeah, and <laughs> well, we'll, what's the Back for Blood? Is that the Turtle Rock one? Yeah, I think yeah. So. so. 2K was publishing that one. Yeah, yeah so like until. We learn more about that or find out what that is. They've said it's a spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead. Like yeah. this, these kinds of games, the World War Z's and the Zombie Army 4, are going to hold you over until that or Valve suddenly digs through their source code and says, oh, yeah, we made Left 4 Dead 3. Let's see right. what surfaces thing. So last week, I believe it was, uh, Nintendo announced that the Nintendo Switch has surpassed the Super Nintendo in terms of sales, which seems wild. Like we think of that as being so huge. Just because we were dumb children, Jeff, is that the idea? I think so, yeah. Okay. Mostly yeah. dumb children. Yeah. So uh, the Switch had a total, or sorry, the Super Nintendo had a total sales of 49.1 million, and the Switch is now at 52.48 for the total and still climbing. It's just bonkers. But we figured that combined with the Chrono Trigger deepest dive that's going on now, it's probably a good time to look back at the Super Nintendo. And then, lo and behold, Reggie Fizeme. Uh, former Nintendo president, uh, he did like this podcast where he was also kind of talking about the Super Nintendo era a bit, um, but it was mainly just about like his overall career in business, and it's the Present Value podcast. But Kyle, you were talking about how fascinating it was, and so I finally yeah. went around and listened to it. Why was that so riveting? I'm not because, even a huge Reggie fan, but I don't know. Like, did, <laughs> are you guys familiar with this? Anna, did you no. hear about it? Or um, I saw it circulating, but okay. I didn't click into it. Yeah, I mean, maybe... Because, like, I was always eager to try to talk to him during my time at Game Informer. I was never yeah. able to. And, like, I've like it answered, like, simple questions for me, which was, like, does he actually like video games? Which is a question <laughs> I always had for him. And, like, one of the... <laughs> One of the big hard-hitting journalists, know, Kyle Hillier. Right? Yeah, Do yeah. you like video games? I mean, it's, I, mean I, I know he liked Nintendo, and he was, like, he was very good at his job, but I was always curious, like, in your free time, yeah. do you play video games? And in this interview, he says, which, uh, which was, like, me, like, one of the more interesting things to me, like, when he, 
uh, one of the first system he owned, this was like before he was at, you know, yeah. um, Nintendo, was the Super Nintendo, and he owned 80 to 90 games. This seems absurd. That's what he says. That's what yeah. he says. And then, yeah. like he said, then later I found out that research implied that most people had like an average of what, five to six games yeah, for Super six, Nintendo? Six to <laughs> eight, I guess yeah. I was an outlier. Yeah. Oh, what? Did I buy too many of your games, <laughs> oh, Nintendo? am I rich? I'm calling BS. <laughs> I mean, okay. 80, That's a 80, lot. 80, 90 is ridiculous, but like, I do believe in the idea that he had like way more games than the average person. Like maybe like 20 or something Did like that. Did he buy you know? those though like five years before he started working for Nintendo? Oh, or, or like right before no. he went into the interview so he could say, hey, the first system I ever no, bought was no. Super yeah. Nintendo I mean, and I had 90 games. I brought my cartridge footstool with me. Let me just get I comfortable mean, here. We could, all of this can be taken with a grain of salt. But I mean, he's <laughs> yeah. not like, he's not, he, although he does still refer to like Nintendo as we and our developers yeah. in the interview. But like he had, he owned like a, like a, PS2 and an N64. He skipped the GameCube. Yeah, you it's know? interesting. He talked about it when he was interviewing at Nintendo that he only had an Xbox and a PS2. He did not have yeah, a GameCube, which was like telling to him, you know, like so. I like you could totally look at that and be like, I don't, I yeah. don't know if he was much of a gamer, but I, I took it as like I think he actually yeah. did play games. But in know? the same way that we're dying for more Rockstar developers to do long form interviews, I was thinking about like why is this so compelling? Like I've heard plenty of Reggie speeches and read plenty of interviews with him and stuff, but I've never heard him like in a relaxed long form podcast format. It's like. Turns out he is a smart guy and you just feel like you get to know him so much more from that rhythm. And also I think, you know, the interviewer is a little little stiff. It seemed a little like he definitely had those questions in advance and all that fun stuff. But like it was fascinating just because it made me angry about every other interview with Reggie where it's like, yeah, this interview was good because he was talking about things that he was passionate about, which is branding and marketing, you know, and like and business the lessons. Pizza from and pizza. he talked about the Bigfoot pizza for a long time. But it's just like it's nice to hear him more in his wheelhouse instead of having yeah. to dodge talking about the virtual console on the Switch for the 30th time. He yeah. could actually talk yeah. about like, here are my business lessons throughout my career that I'd like to apply and, and teach yeah. you about. So you also found it compelling? Is that what it you're was. saying? It was. Okay. Yeah, because, for sure. Because all you said was, why was this so compelling to you, Kyle? Oh, <laughs> no. I Also, yeah. it was riveting. Okay. And I think there's something about his tone. And I was like, this is fascinating. And then I really thought about like, well, what's he saying? He's saying Breath of the Wild really changed up the formula for the Zelda series. It's, he's saying very basic things yeah. most of the time. Which but is honestly another thing, like, because he, he did say more than that about Breath of the Wild. He talked yeah. about the mechanics of it and specifically why it was like different for Zelda to the point yeah. where I was like, I mean, these are bullet points on like a press release mm-hmm. for sure. But like, at least it made me think like he, he understands why that's interesting and probably played it. He said he played every Zelda game, you know. Yeah, that is true. Um, uh, but. Yeah, he had a couple interesting stories about how when he was first hired, he wanted to talk to Iwata. And he said that like Nintendo Japan was like, what's going on? Like they were a little bit put off by like, who's this weirdo that just was hired over in the American campus that wants to actually talk well, to it, Iwata? It was actually before he was officially hired. Oh, that's right. You're right. Yeah, because he was like part – they were interviewing him and he requested to talk to Iwata for – for thirty minutes, yeah, and they talked for an hour and a half. It's beautiful <laughs> because you got well because you got to like uh, you know we know how this works. The like interviewing Japanese people, you got to get the translation. So it always goes longer. Yeah, uh, but yeah, if you want to check it out, I really recommend it. Uh, yeah, if you're a Nintendo fan, I think it's worth listening to. He talks about like the evolution of the Nintendo logo and how. Uh, when he first was brought on, like 2002, 2003, that they wanted to shake it up and make it look like graffiti and stuff. And he's like, you idiots. Like, stop trying to court the older audience. Like, we're smart yeah. for making stuff like Brain Age. Like, he went into, like, the development of Brain Age and just trying to court a different audience than where Xbox and PlayStation 2 were going. He also said in one of Nintendo's main conference rooms in Kyoto, there's a plaque with kanji letters that say, make something unique. Yeah. Which is, like, I – Nintendo is so – closed off mm-hmm. about any insight of like what their offices look like like 
that is like in my mind picture of like what's happening in the Nintendo offices. Like mm-hmm. that's now the only piece that I have. Like, all right, there's a plaque in a conference room that says make something yeah. unique. It always cracked me up when... And it um, sounds like he stole it on the way out, I think. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, he pried <laughs> it off the wall with the crowbar. But uh, no, like it always made me laugh when Nintendo on their YouTube channel they had like, they have Nintendo Minute, you know, Kid Alice and I forget her name. Um, but they're like, we're going to tour... Nintendo's headquarters in Kyoto. And I was like, this is awesome. Then they post the video and it's like just them in the lobby where it's like, if Nintendo can't get access to Nintendo, like what the hell are we doing here? What chance do we have? Yeah. Um, well, but okay. it's been really nice to sort of see him loosen up after leaving Nintendo. Like yeah. even he's been attending more events in New York. He was at oh, really? the uh, MYC Games Critics Association Award or the Games Journalism Award. And that's just something that is for journalists and writers and is well attended by kind of like more regular people. And he was there. And so yeah. it's been, yeah. He's and, becoming a human being again. Yeah. I guess he's, <laughs> yeah. he's just loosening up. He's like, I'm going to talk about marketing yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. It, he, totally he also did talk a little bit about like the meme culture surrounding him. I mean, Although he, he his didn't have description a of about like, it. on the place where you download the memes, there are hundreds <laughs> of me. It's like, what are you talking about <laughs> old man? A second. Let it go, uh, yeah. Um, but it's yeah. You should you should check it out. I think it's 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 like an hour. But it is like yeah. I was surprised. Like it's he worked for VH1 and MTV yeah, and Panda cool. Express and stuff. <laughs> like, anyways, know, it's yeah, called the stuff. Present Value yeah. Podcast. If you want to go check it out. All right, so our top five Super Nintendo games of all time. This is tough. Look, we're our lists aren't going to be the same as your lists. But I was trying to come from a very honest place. It is not an objective place. These are my personal favorite Super Nintendo games. Right? Are we all coming from the same point of view? Yeah. 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 So we're all allowed to make crucial omissions here yeah, with Zelda's, no damage done. Zelda's allowed to be lower on your list if you want. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, so I have a weird history with Super Nintendo, though, where I never owned one. Like, a bulk of the games that I played from Super Nintendo were just when I emulated it on, you know, on my computer yeah. in high school. Yeah, I'm in a similar position. I mean, I was born in 95, so I... Jesus Christ! <laughs> couldn't, I couldn't have played them all, but... Um, it's funny when you originally asked me to do this episode, I was looking at just a general list of Super Nintendo games and had this moment where I realized, wow, I've played so many of these. Yeah. How, how? And it was Game Boy ports, emulators, stuff like that. Yeah. And, and at Jeff, um, you were hot and heavy with the Super Nintendo? Yep. Okay. <laughs> you were, was, that you was were 31 f- when you bought it? Is that yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, no, that was our first system that we were actually allowed to get. Oh, wow. Because we couldn't get the NES. Did you get it at launch? Uh, n- probably not, no. Because I think we we had rented it multiple times before then. Yeah. You know, which was always like a fun, like, binge weekend. Oh, yeah. Get the system in a couple games and get as far as you could before you had to take it back. But, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then, Kyle, it seems pretty important in your family. Yeah, my first console, too. Uh, it was definitely a long-term uh, campaign with my brother and I to break down my parents to convince them to buy us a game console and that, that was where they, they crossed the line at Super Nintendo and we got the bundle that included Donkey Kong Country which kind of time stamps when I got it yeah. so I wasn't there for the launch I wasn't I didn't I never maybe we'll talk about it I never really played Super Mario World you know oh really yeah so oh, that's why um, but yeah I mean <clears throat> yeah it's it's important to me it was my first game console that yeah. I had in my house I think your brother still has that original yeah, box I think so yeah he, he does for sure his yeah. pillow I believe yeah, yeah. he's very sentimentally very attached to that to thing uh, okay, so the format is we have five choices. We'll go around the table, five, 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 four, 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 all that stuff. If your choice is brought up earlier, just jump in, have that conversation then. Don't don't save it for later. All that nonsense. 
and you uh, insisted that we come up with interesting trivia about about I mean, each you know, entry. It's not going to be a pop quiz. You I just in, don't want you. you insisted. To, I just don't want you to say Mario World. It's the best because it's Mario World. Okay, moving on. You know, mm-hmm. it's something new to say. You know. And you want us to I, put I on a character? character? Yeah. Uh, New Jersey yeah. accent. <laughs> Mario. Yeah, Mario World fans. Mario. Uh, okay, number five, Anna. What are you going with? Um, so, for my number five, I am going with the original Super Nintendo Harvest Moon. Oh, uh, excellent choice. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, arguably the start of my unhealthy relationship with Stardew Valley and yes. the Animal Crossing, uh, it proposed a simple idea at the time which was an rpg but make it farming and that was pretty new at the time yeah it really paved the way for all these later farm sim games that combined rpg elements and it also you know it's just fun because there are farming simulators but it also introduced the idea of having stories and characters you can you know start a family um and the story behind it is really cute the uh Let's see here. The um, is it Wada? producer, yeah, Wada, yeah. had moved to Tokyo after being brought up in the countryside. And he had no interest in moving back to the countryside, but he wanted to make a game with it. So uh, in an interview with Gamasutra, he talks about how do you make a game about caring for cows? The deep <laughs> love that comes <laughs> with caring for cows. And so um, yeah, it's crazy to have a game that gets away from conflict as the core. It's like, oh, all yep. you need is progression in the game. Yeah. That's all that game is, is just yeah. feeling satisfied going yeah. through. And like, I looked at that same Gamasutra interview, and yeah. there's a quote later on that made me laugh where Wada was talking about the first Harvest Moon. And he says, Grand Theft Auto and some points of Harvest Moon are more or less the same, but at the same time, they are different. It's really up to the producer to put what he really wants to in his game. In GTA, you can hijack a car. And so you can try to improve the way you hijack a car, for example. But in Harvest Moon, it's farming. So we try and got to the, try to get to the same way to improve things. Basically, we have the same base, but the improvement of the message is going to be done in different ways. But it's a weird a way. Different. Yeah. A little yeah, bit different. A little different. It's just like you're getting yeah. better at the things you're doing, whether it's mm-hmm. killing or farming, and it's going to be satisfying on a, a game level, yeah. no matter yeah. what it is, right? Yeah. And it's weird that it's a it's a later game. Like it came out in 1997 in yeah. the states, mm-hmm. and then 96 in Japan. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that I, was the first, right? That was the first Harvest Moon. That was the first one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which okay. I didn't. I played the PlayStation one back to nature first, and then went back to the Super Nintendo one. But the Super Nintendo one holds up so well. Yeah, I think even like I think the art I still like better than yeah. Harvest or Stardew Valley's art. Yeah, I haven't played any of the later uh, Harvest Moon games actually, but I've kind of heard similar stories where it isn't. It's just not as good of an experience, but yeah. that there also was a lot of um, transitions in the studio at the time. And so I think the later Harvest Moons aren't even supposed to really be Harvest Moon. They're just using the name Harvest Moon. It's confusing. Yeah. The story of seasons yeah. is like the real one. That transition is just a mess. And at this point, it's like you're fine with Stardew Valley or going back to the yeah. first Harvest Moon, which I think yeah. is on like Wii U Virtual Console yep. if you want to. Yeah play it there. Yeah, and just getting away from the pixel art, I think, hurts it so much. And I think that's why Stardew Valley was so successful as well. And I think this would have been on my list if I had played it back for the Super Nintendo. I I didn't come to it or find out about it until years later, and I think I played it on an emulator then. But then I did try... I liked it, and I I tried the, like, 
one of the later PlayStation ones because I thought this is going to be so much better. And then it's yeah. like, oh no, it, it just looks like crap compared to like the <laughs> how well the old games hold up. Right. And it's, it just doesn't have that There's same magic. There's a lot magic. of defenders yeah. of Wonderful Life out there for GameCube, yeah. so I guess we'll let it pass. But you yeah. can play the, the Game Boy one. I think it's like the third Game Boy Harvest Moon where you can choose for the first time if you want to be a boy or a girl at the start. Mm-hmm. Do you know this weird saga? But then if you choose to be the guy, you're like, go oh, on, it's a classic Harvest Moon. You get married, you keep building up your farm. And if you choose to be a girl... You start playing the game, and then when you get married, it says, congratulations, the end, and rolls oh, no. credits, so you don't get to keep wow. building up your no. farms. Like, you've peaked. You've gotten oh, married gosh. on a farm. Incredible. <laughs> hey, it's lovable. Um, yeah, I love that game, and I played it on an emulator, and then in college, I remember, I was so stressed out and so anxious during like freshman year of college. I'm like, I need comfort food. I'm just going to go play through the original Harvest Moon again, like, in my dorm room. And so I have a weird soft spot for that original yeah. game. It, it's also the weird thing of, it, like, that Simpsons joke of how they wanted to play the video game about mowing the lawn, you know? Yeah. Where it's, it's just yard work. And I hate <laughs> yard work in real life, but it's just so satisfying to, like, build up and, you know, go out and clean out all yeah. the stones and stuff like that. No, and, I agree. And I think it's... Nice to see games that are based on not just um, fighting and then winning, but then like this new kind of game loop cycle where it's about caring for things and um, the reward is just different. Um, And yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jeff, I'm number five. Uh, Number five was a tough one. I went through a couple different things and... This is the personal versus best of list, you know, because uh-huh. if I was doing best of, I probably would have just said Chrono Trigger at this point. I've played enough of it. As your number one or number five? As my number five. Okay. But um, I didn't play, I never played it for Super Nintendo, so I, yeah. I passed it up. But It's your favorite DS game. Yeah. <laughs> it, it would probably be up there at this point. But I went with Secret Mana. Secret, Secret of Mana. Mana. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, which... Trivia wise, mm-hmm. was designed by Koichi Ishii. It was, and my research, by the way, was just Wikipedia. Apologies oh, yeah. okay. that I didn't, you know, do any hard hitting actual research in like the 16 hours before <laughs> we filmed this. Um, but there was some interesting stuff about it. Uh, it was originally supposed to be Final Fantasy IV. Yeah. And How it, weird. Yeah, yeah. And so they. And so Koichi Ishii said that it was kind of an extension of the Final Fantasy battle system that they had up to that point. And then I think you brought this up before that it was codenamed Chrono Trigger yep. while they were yeah. working on it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So when it was in development, it was called Chrono Trigger. And the first mana game is also called Final Fantasy Adventure. Mm-hmm. That's so, right. Which was yeah. Game Boy? Yeah, yeah. Game Boy. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, first yeah, yeah. Game Boy, yeah. Weird. That's so confusing. Yeah, Why? it's so Cro- I mean, confusing. I, I played Secret Mana as well back in the day, but there's nothing with time or anything in there, is there? Yeah, I guess it was just the code name at that point, and I, I think they were <laughs> it's a sweet name. They were also working on Chrono Trigger at the time. Okay, and so there there was a lot of weird kind of crossover with what so people they were just working like, on. Ah, Chrono Trigger, yeah. Mana, whatever, both? same thing. What, what if they independently something? came up with the name Chrono Trigger? Right, somehow? right. It's a sucker punch, <laughs> Naughty Dog, and Charter yeah, thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, but then they. The the other interesting aspect of it was it was also supposed to be for the Super Nintendo CD system oh, sure. that they were working on before 
that fell apart, and Sony went on and made their own PlayStation based off what they were working on. But they said uh, in interviews that it was supposed to be much bigger because they were working with the CD. Oh, and so when they, they trimmed were, it down at the end? Yeah, when they were going to shrink it down, and it was supposed to have a much darker tone, apparently. Yeah. But it was supposed to have different routes that you could take and different endings, and so when they crunched it down, it kind of became a more linear experience. How important do you think is your love of Secret of Mana connected to the fact of having multiplayer like action RPG experience. And and the takeaway from all of this is I didn't know any of this crap as a kid. I didn't know what role-playing games were at that point. Uh Like I hadn't played any RPGs, but when my brother and I found out about it, it was just kind of an action game in the vein of Zelda, which we had liked so much at that point, but we could play co-op, and that was... Like the huge thing, you could play it with up to three players. Otherwise, the AI controls, and you can switch between them at any time. But that kind of switch to a a real-time action where you're moving around your characters and you're actually swinging the sword, even though there's, like, the whole battle system underneath it. And right. there's numbers associated with everything. Like, that was that just blew my mind as a kid because I hadn't played any of the other RPGs that came before it. Yeah, for sure. And so that was yeah. a... That made a huge impact for me and my brother. Yeah, and I think just having an action RPG on the Super Nintendo at the time, because, I mean, I came to it after the fact, but diving into the classic JRPGs uh, through emulation on my computer, I'm sorry, I'm a pirate. Um, but that was a fun one to come across and like, okay, Secret Man, and people say a lot of good things about it, I should play this. And it's like, oh, this stands out so much. It, it's mm-hmm. so different just having that more action component. So obviously it's going to pop for a lot of people and attract a wider audience because yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's definitely one that if I had played when I was young, I think I would have loved. Oh, yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah, maybe you didn't. I don't tell you, man. Okay. It was hard to come across uh, cartridges, you know? I don't think I knew anyone that had a copy of it that I could borrow or anything like that, you know? Yeah. Maybe I guess I could have rented it, but... Yeah, yeah. Had to rent Earthworm Jim, too. I mean, you can't ignore it. Uh, Number five, Kyle? Number five. For me, it was... um, It's Earthbound, uh, which was... It was... It was a toss-up for me between Super Mario RPG and Earthbound. Yeah. Uh, I really like Super Mario RPG a lot, but, like, I Earthbound edges it out. And I think, like, personally, one of the reasons it might is because I've never actually finished Earthbound. Like I, I've, So it's, like, this mysterious thing yeah, in your like mind? Yeah, I got to the end. Like, I got to the end boss. But, like, it's so it's such a genuinely funny game because it was basically, like, written and directed by, like, a like a, a someone who was a writer who wasn't yeah. really, like, a game designer. Yeah, Shigi Sato Itoi was a copywriter, but also a TV personality, but also... A laundry list of various random yeah, like, jobs. Yeah. Game designer was just sort of like on his list of yeah. like random things, but it's like <laughs> it was. It's such a weird setting for yeah. an RPG because yeah. it's like basically like the United States through yep. a Japanese lens. Yep. It's very strange, and it's like genuinely funny and actually uses game mechanics to tell jokes in a fun way that I hadn't seen at that time. Yeah, and like. Yeah, I just, I just, I, I really love it. And it's so charming, and like I, when it came out on Wii U, I bought it and played a bunch of it again. And it's, I and didn't I, finish also, it. Didn't, yeah, didn't finish it. But like the, uh, the, the other thing that it does, which is like just a small, like RPG mechanic that I see occasionally, but not as much as in Earthbound, is like that it, it rewards that uh, idea of like getting stronger, and getting stronger, and going back and fighting original enemies, and then and then being so much easier, which is always such like a satisfying thing to do in an RPG. Yeah. But if they're weak enough, you, like, you don't even fight them. Like the screen just flashes, and you just get experience, and you move on. And like I just I loved that. Like in terms of just like going back to familiar locations and like like beefing up your your squad and stuff like that. Like right. Just being able to walk up to enemies and not enter that turn based combat scenario and just keep going was is awesome. Yeah. And I I love it when I see it today. Anna, I'm blown away. You have that name. <laughs> Well, on the tip of your I, tongue. <laughs> yeah, well, I 
Um, You're on that mic, by the way. I think you're leaning away from me. You can tilt that down, too. Um, So I wrote about Earthbound for like a year, which is the most Earthbound kind of thing because it's such a a cult following and the people who love it love it obsessively. And I count myself inside of that um, as a part of that. Um, but wrote about it for a year. What yeah. do you mean? What well, the- I was in college and they told me I could write about anything and I was studying political science and I said anything. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I proposed a project on like cultural translation in earthbound and they let oh, me do sure. it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I studied the localization of it. Does it, uh, is there, do you have any like interesting insight into that? Like, was it like, was it drastically different for the United States? Um, Did they have to change a lot or? Well, so you see some pretty common themes that things that are taken out uh, with any game. So removal of certain religious iconography, uh, removal of nudity in the Japanese version of Earthbound in the beginning, you know, when you're woken up by the sirens, you're walking around as Ness. Originally, his sprite is like nude. Oh, and really? It's really? Such, like a oh. tiny sprite, right? That yeah. you can't see all that much. Wait, but, but don't you like walk outside to explore? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's oh, that yeah. makes it. <laughs> oh, but you put on You're your so clothes much more before you go outside. You put, oh, okay. you, put, you put your clothes on. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. yeah. Hang on. So, did did they model Ness's penis, or is it just like a generic kind of like Cartman? It's just like a two pixel. You okay. know? Yeah. Okay, well, that's cool. Like Goku. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm going for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So super shrunk down, pixelated Goku. Yeah. yeah. Weird. So do you speak Japanese? No. So Earthbound, because it has such a cult following and a dedicated following, it's one of the only games where there's been an entire an entire community has formed around localizing it. And this is partially due because of Mother 3, which was never reported to the U.S. And yeah. so that localization was run by fans. The person who led that porting and that localization and translation wrote a book on Earthbound and the localization of Earthbound. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. And when they finished that Mother 3 translation, like they they basically told Nintendo, like, you guys can have this like, yeah. for free. Like, yeah. we just right. want the game to be out, which is yeah. like... The Nintendo has too much pride to do that. Sure. Yeah. 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 Like, but it's, it's like, such a mess. Yeah. yeah. I just... It's... I mean, we... It's such an internet meme to be like, Mother 3, but it's yeah. like, that yeah. game should exist. Like, yeah. I would I love to play it on yeah. something, you know? Yeah. I could see them doing kind of a Star Fox 2 maneuver at some point. Yeah. It, in some way of just, hey, we'll just release it on, I know it's a GBA game, right? But like, we'll just release it on the Switch virtual console in some yeah. way. I would love that. I mean, because they, they did Earthbound Beginnings, which I don't yeah. really think was like successful. But no. it was, it's also the one that people didn't weren't interested in, in seeing. Like, but clearly, yeah. like they wanted to start with the beginning to eventually build up to Mother 3. And like I think if that had sold well, yeah. then we probably would have a localized version of Mother 3. But that was so sad to be like, all right, Earthbound fans. Here we go, Earthbound Beginnings, let's get this ball rolling. And it was like, eh, not so much. Yeah, not And like then this. No, Nintendo just has the message, they're like, yeah, there's no, there's no profits to be made with Earthbound, yeah. so let's yeah, move on. Yeah. Well, and Earthbound didn't make Nintendo money for a while. It's been re-released uh, for the Wii U, um, for the Game Boy, for a lot of different, like a lot of different releases, but... What well, was the Game Boy? Was that just Japan? Right? Or? Or maybe or the Game I Boy. Think maybe I. I think it's just Wii U is the only really? other time that it's been re-released. Although, I, I yeah, I, maybe I default to been, you on this. No, honestly. I, it's been so long. Even last night when I was brushing up on yeah. my Earthbound knowledge, and wait, what happens in this game again? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, like that was yeah Wii U. Oh wait, 3DS. 
that's the other one. Oh, and okay. I, and I yeah. bought it a third time because I'm one of those people. <laughs> yeah. Well, you should finish it. It's. I, yeah, I know. I got. I was fighting the final boss, and uh, I just. I don't know. I didn't want it to end, and you know, it was released in Game Boy Advance. It oh. was, but yeah. just just Japan though, right? Uh, not sure. Okay. Most likely. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's just it's. I, it's it's the thing that sticks out to me is just how funny it is. Yeah, it's yeah. sweet. Yeah. Like it's such yeah. a sweet game. Like you call your dad to like yeah. save, and yeah. it's so charming. Right. You know. Yeah. Well, and that's something that's always stood out about Earthbound to me is that it's a really difficult game, and some parts are so-so, can require a lot of grinding for levels, yeah. and they're really difficult boss battles. But one thing that I appreciate is how much the game kind of takes care of you after that. Like, the game still feels like being wrapped in a warm blanket, you know? Um, <laughs> like if you're it, anxious during your fres- freshman year of college. I should have exactly. gone to Earthbound. Yeah, yeah exactly. Probably. And th- I think that's why it's called Mother. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it does balance those elements really nicely. What a weird saga. Yeah. Do you know um, anything about the name, actually, in that sort of translation idea? Like, why Earthman? They just wanted to lean into the alien side of it, I guess. Independence Day was hot at the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually don't remember the yeah the story behind localizing the name specifically. Yeah. Uh, other than that they thought that it wouldn't appeal to no. a Western audience. They. It's funny because it's about America, but it was sort of brushed off as being kind of strange and odd and so it is and it's also yeah it was that i don't know if all that stuff is out there yet but i know when frank Cifaldi was digging through like the game informer archives he found like all the original pr and marketing that nintendo sent game informer for for earthbound and it's a nightmare because they have like the press release of like earthbound check it out and their description do you remember any of these details is it out there their pr is bonkers earthbound's (laughs) pr they um so included with the game was like a a scratch and sniff that was really like smelled really bad. And in the PR article, there's this giant title. I just see it in my head. There's a pile of goop, which is by the way, an enemy that you can fight in the game. And at the top, it says in all capital letters, this game stinks. Um, So, (laughs) you know, when that's your lead. Yeah. But like, yeah, Uh. so they spend paragraphs describing earthbound, never just called an RPG. It's like, maybe they had the message at the time that RPGs don't sell. I don't know why Nintendo would have kids like me who, yeah, maybe. Didn't maybe that is the idea, them, right? Yeah. And so they just yeah. go out of their way to be like, it's a wacky, cosmic yeah. grinder. Or just like these horrible yeah. ways of describing, mm-hmm. like, just say it's a funny RPG. Yeah. And then, but, yeah, and then the strategy guide was included with it. Mm-hmm, because I think it was were, so hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which was one of the cool things about the Wii U version, which is like they, they actually did put a little weight behind that Wii U release, you know, because mm-hmm. like they knew it would generate excitement for mother three but like the the cool thing about that was like you could you know play on the wii u have it on your tv and then you could actually there was like a link in game not in game but you could open up the wii u menu to open the strategy guide oh really that like came with the original game and like on the wii u browser on the game yeah which i thought was like really neat and cool and it's like one of those things that's like the wii u did a couple of those really neat things that like ultimately not a lot of people took advantage of because no one knew what to do with the wii u that is just the wii u yeah yeah yeah. so uh but yeah earthbound's great and like um it's I, I I really do genuinely hope that Mother Three comes out in some shape or form somehow. Yeah. Even if yeah, I, yeah. Switch would be ideal. But yeah. Yeah. do you remember how you found Earthbound Anna? Um, so I grew up moving a lot, 
And I was living overseas for a while as like an angsty teen and was just sort of cling to any media that sort of reminded me of home. And I found <laughs> Earthbound one day. And uh, Minnesota. Yeah. The Blues Brothers. <laughs> yeah. The Blues Brothers. The Beatles. Well, that's the other funny thing. It's It homogenizes like a lot of America and also the UK. What is what? Who knows? <laughs> just overseas. Yeah. Not Japan. It's all the same. Yeah. yeah. But my main entry was through Smash Bros. I saw Ness. Mm. I loved playing as Ness in yeah. Smash and just wanted to know like, what game this character came from. Yeah, that was totally the confusing thing. I remember first playing Smash Bros. in 64 and thinking like, oh, that must just be like a personification of the original Nintendo console and they just call it NES and then put an extra S, which I'm yeah. sure there's some connection there, obviously, but still I was like, mm-hmm. I had no idea that this game even existed. That's why Smash Brothers is so great. Yeah. Hey, you ever heard of Fire Emblem? Apparently it's oh. an actual game outside oh, really? of the Smash Brothers characters. Yeah, it's a lot <laughs> Um, speaking of Smash Brothers, it's a matter of time until this is announced, but uh, hey, never mind. <laughs> Evo, is that what you're trying to pull in here? You're right. What are you doing? No, I'm trying to make a stretch that's not working. My <laughs> number five, what I'm trying to say, <laughs> is a game called Evo Search for Eden. Okay. Have you guys played Evo no. Search for I've Eden? I've heard you talk about it before, but I yeah. love it. It is basically 2D Spore. Uh, it's Spore before Spore. Uh, Enix published it. It was developed by a company called Givro Corporation. We all know them. We all love them. But it's, at its core, it's an action RPG where it's all from the side and it's like Spore because you're going through billions of years. So you start out like as a fish attacking other fish. Then you get experience points because of that. Then you can go and upgrade yourself and give yourself like, okay, now I'm a fish, but I'm going to have a pointy horn nose or now a fish, but I have faster fins so I can attack faster, stuff like that. And you can just customize and like build out these characters as you're choosing your evolutionary path. Then eventually you work through like five areas or eras, I should say. So you work out uh, through the ocean and then early creatures of land, then age of dinosaurs, then the ice age, and then early man. Hmm. And it's like, it has some hokey story about like, oh, you're the daughter of Gaia, some nonsense like that. But really it's just like, a cool design for a game to have like an action RPG on the Super Nintendo where you got to just create these abominations, mm. <laughs> just these weird looking dinosaur creations. And it totally is grindy to try and blast through it, but it's a really unique game and I loved it. And also, I think it's pretty expensive to get. Do you think it would ever come to the Super, like this, I don't know, what, what do they call it for the, on the Switch where they keep adding That would be awesome. Like, but do you think it's Super like Nintendo popular Plus. enough or known enough where, or. I don't I think so. Never heard I'm, of yeah, this. I'm not yeah. familiar with it. We didn't yeah. have it in the Game Informer Vault. I always want to do a uh-huh. replay or Super Replay of Evo mm-hmm. Search for Eden. But... Did you like it so much because of the Animorphs? Mm. Mm, probably. That was yeah. probably a factor. Yeah. It was definitely one of those games where it's like going through. So many ROMs in the emulator. It's like, Evo, I guess I'll check this out. It's like, wait, what is this? This has a weird hook. Let's see how far this goes. And I just remember sitting in my friend's basement bedroom just blasting through that entire game. It took forever, but it's super fun. But it's a weird one. Evo Search for Eden. Uh, Number four, Anna. All right. So for four, I had Secret of Mana. Oh, perfect. We already talked about that. Love it. Jeff, number four. Uh, Number four is Super Mario Kart. Mm. Tell us about this game. But first, tell us about your experience with it. Um, I think I've talked about my experience. Like the biggest thing was that my brother and I, it was another one that my brother and I played a ton of. And so... 
this goes back into kind of the history of it. It came out after F-Zero because F-Zero was a launch game, but F-Zero was only a single-player game. Yeah. And so Nintendo said specifically that they wanted to try and make a game that was focused on multiplayer while, I guess, still, like, using Mode 7 technology, which was such a big and important thing. Um, and But so it was, like, the go-to multiplayer game for my brother and I again. And yeah. it was... I had told the experience before but it was the the game that made me cry because princess peach would always <laughs> pass me right at the end of the finish line because my brother was so much better that the ai would rubber band to him instead oh and he me. was always peach yes no 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 he was he was always in first place but oh. he was so far ahead of me that peach would come and try and catch up with him like while i was struggling to stay in number <laughs> you know second place and pass me in so one day and this was like i had a breakdown and i cried about it <laughs> i cried about oh. princess peach yes uh but it was um <laughs> breakdown yeah do you still harbor resentment for her or are you guys good no no I, we we got over it okay. yeah. but it through was long sessions of super princess peach yes. yes yeah uh but it was and apparently it wasn't it didn't start as a Mario game. They it was months into development. They wanted to make kind of a kart racing game and then yeah. they, they tried putting in Mario and turns out that was a good idea. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, the Smash Brothers trick. Yeah, but that was also kind of a jumping off point for using like the cast of Mario characters. Like you know there had been like Dr. Mario and stuff like that, but that was kind of where they figured out that you could treat the entire series of characters as a cast and put them in other kind of experiences, right. which they've done with a billion other sports games. And then it was also notable because it started the kart racing genre, right? Yeah, that is a weird idea. Which, which And the formula remains so similar for so many games where it's like, yeah, it's it's not just like the less realistic racing, but you also have to have, you know, power-ups out there yeah. that you get that you can then attack other people with and... But all of that was – people say, you know, like it's it's a harder one to go back to in terms of Super Nintendo games. I found that for sure. Yeah, yeah. my yeah. daughter can also confirm that. Yeah. She was <laughs> offended by that. When it, she loves Mario Kart 8 and mm-hmm. I showed yeah. her that and I was like, this is what it used to look like. And she was like, yeah. can we play something different? <laughs> uh, I'd rather play a dumb stampede game. <laughs> a good, yeah. fun stampede game. <laughs> You're right. I, st- I still do enjoy it though. Uh, I went back not too long ago and tried it and it – most of it's nostalgia at this point, but oh, yeah. I, I just very much appreciated the racing games. I also always liked the battle mode, which yeah. seems to have become less important to the series. Well, it wasn't in the Wii U release, but then for the Switch re-release, that's how that worked out, right? They, yeah. they went and added that back Do in and stuff. actually like it still? Or? I like it. I don't know. Yeah. If, yeah. I don't it, know the numbers on that. The importance is declined, for sure. I mean, they didn't even mm-hmm. include it at a certain yeah. point, but it, yeah. yeah, it was... Yeah, I don't, yeah, it's a good question. I, well, I think people like and it. I think the new battle mode's hard because there are just so many different ways to battle now that it's I would confusing. go in and, yeah, I'd get confused um, rather than just having, you know, three balloons. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. you get thrown yeah. in jail. And yeah, like, and there's wow, coins. Wow. and yeah. Wait, there's jail in yeah. Mario Kart? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you're like on a team and you get thrown in jail and you got to wait for someone to let yeah. you out of jail. Oh, my God. Yeah. I love still hearing about how well Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is selling on Switch. Same. I guess one of the best-selling yeah. games and, and in the that, entire system. That's also kind of one of my takeaways of like that is such a huge franchise and it has been so good for Nintendo over the years, you know? Yeah. That I think people sometimes, everyone always thinks Zelda, Mario, you know, Metroid. Forget that. Yes. Uh, Mario Kart, I think, I mean, number one, like pretty easily, right? In terms of like Switch sales and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. Overall, the Mario Kart series 
has sold over 138 million copies. That's across That's all everything. Games. Yeah. yeah. Right. Super Mario Kart, the original, sold 8.76 on that console. It's just, it's a crowd pleaser. No yeah. one's going to say no to Mario Kart. Yeah. Uh, and we all know the best Mario Kart is eight. Yeah, probably eight. <laughs> I wanted to say yeah. Double Dash. I was like, eh, nah, it's got everything you need in eight. Uh, number four, Kyle. Number four. I thought I told my phone to not turn off. Okay, so this, it might maybe be surprising that I have The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past at number four. That is yeah. messed up. So I think you broke you your list. Blew it. You Sorry. blew it. Sorry. Uh, so, for like, you know, personal perspective on this game, my first Zelda was Ocarina of Time. Yeah. And I adored Ocarina of Time. It's like, it set me on this path to want to like write about games and love video games. And, and then it was like, okay, I got to go back and see where this came from. So I actually played Ocarina and Majora's first and then went back and played Link to the Past. And the, the first time I played it and completed it was on um, Game Boy Advance. Oh, wow. Okay, um, yeah. So like I don't really have a lot of nostalgia for it because it was mostly like it, it almost felt like like required reading to me. Like I really love Ocarina of Time. It's a great setup. I, I want to learn what this is about and like yeah. I, it's a great game and I really love it and it's so well designed and like even that opening where you're walking out of the house and it's raining like you know I, I came to it later yeah. but even that was like was looked amazing and I was like well this is a Super Nintendo game this looks incredible you know and then just getting deeper into it and like the alternate worlds and like turning into a bunny like all this stuff like was not spoiled for me and I, I, I really I really love it but I just the reason it's at number four for me is just because of like personally it's i don't have the nostalgia for it as much as i just played it and just appreciated it and had a good time with it as like a really well designed game yeah for sure uh yeah we uh e3 last year we interviewed tezuka um we did like a rapid fire interview with him about super mario maker 2 also a little bit link's awakening a little bit link about link to the past there and he it was really weird i couldn't find it anywhere online but he was saying that he took over the direction of that game like halfway through its development that originally had a different director mm. that was which I guess kicked off the project where it's like it could have been Miyamoto. It's all very yeah. nebulous. But that's I don't like think the first that's uncommon that. for Zelda. Like I think Ocarina of Time went through that as well. Oh really? Just shifting like, directors? Like I don't think Onuma is credited as the director on Ocarina of Time because he came in kind of late and sort of I like, thought he just designed like the water temple and stuff. But no, he actually I, th- I think was... he, he did more than that. But I think okay. yeah like when yeah, but the Water Temple, they people do credit to him. Just Elmas is like a, a joke, you know? <laughs> nice slap in the face. Yeah, but anyways, of. yeah, Link to the Past. I mean, Jeff, what's your experience with that thing? Uh, it's my number one of game on this is. list. Of course it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Spoiling no. it, man. Uh, yes. It, uh, that, was, that was one game where we didn't own it for a long time, but we had rented it multiple times. Mm-hmm. And so it was also kind of, there's the nostalgia there for it, but also kind of this mystique around it of like, because we had never beaten it. You right. Know? And, and of course you had to restart every time you rented it again. So, yeah. but it was, yeah, it's just in terms of, that was the first game where it was like, Holy crap! This feels like an actual world that I'm going into, and it, yeah, and I I feel like one of the notes that I made, or the interesting things that I came along, was that it didn't sell as well, you know, mm. compared to previous uh, games in the series. Like oh, the really? Original, Even Zelda too. The original one sold six point five million. This one sold four point six million. Zelda two sold like four point four million or okay. four point. So it barely did better than Zelda two. But this just and there were a lot of elements in those old games that actually you know were they they established first. But this one just because of the better technology and everything, it just felt like this is 
a world I'm being in, immersed in, like yeah. this is a story that I care about, even though there's not that much story to it. But then you go to the different locations that all feel so unique in the different dungeons and you come across, you know, like Kiki the monkey, which was, and it, it, those are just such potent memories that I, yeah. I think that all comes from kind of the upgraded visuals and, yeah. and the extra stuff. That they and the music, do. of course, yeah. is of just course. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it is like number one nostalgic comfort food for you, Jeff? Like if I had to melt you into your childhood and I could if, only put one game on the TV, it would be like the game, best? Yes, that I could go back to at any point. I think it would be that one. Yes. How old do you remember it? Do you think you'd have to look at a walkthrough at all if you blasted through it today? Um, I, I probably should, but it's it's also the kind of game where I wouldn't mind just being lost for a while and having to try and figure out again where I'm supposed to go yeah. and stuff. Yeah, like it's that. just pleasant to exist there. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah for sure. Yeah. I played on Game Boy Advance as well in college, and I remember like, did you complete it at the time? I, I didn't. No, okay, no, and I'm very stupid. And I remember every time I would get stuck, it's like, okay, I'm not gonna look at a walkthrough. There's this guy in my video production class. I'm just gonna ask him because he's a huge Zelda fan, and I'll see if he can give me some vague hints to kind of lead me in the right direction for like yeah. the past. You don't have to go too far to find like an expert on yeah. Link to the Past. That's true. You, know? yeah. like, you just yell at the window, yeah. I think, yeah. I'd probably have it covered. I was seven years old when I first started that game, and I would ask my mom all the time, like, can I call my cousins? <laughs> <laughs> I'm stuck again. It's like the fifth time that yeah. week. <laughs> the other crazy thing to think about, too, is uh, when I was looking through the research and stuff, is that game is a megabyte. Oh, really? Yes, it is one megabyte. I think we can all agree best megabyte ever yeah. well there's the villain from reboot you know what okay it's like top three <laughs> megabytes yeah, i do i also think like it's it is tough to go back to zelda one and zelda two now mm-hmm. it's really hard but i think link to the past you can go back to and it, it still feels good you yeah know what i mean like moving around still feels good and, and it's, yeah it's in, in terms of that thing of it of something being homework you know like right. the original zelda is such a slog that no one actually wants to play that unless you're Jeff Cork, I guess. We did the Super Replay back at Game Informer, and that was my first time seeing through the entire game. And good God, that was a slog. Yeah. <laughs> we had to come up with Bizarre Detective to entertain ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. But again, and it might just be my own personal nostalgia, but every time I go back to it, it's like, man, this is just amazing. This yeah. is such a nice experience. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my number four is Metal Warriors. Mm. It's from the same team mm. that made like Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Yeah, that's a game that I think was probably more popular. You're asking me? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Uh, so it's developed by LucasArts, um, eventually published by Konami. But there's a weird saga where it was going to be published by Nintendo and actually packed in with the Super Nintendo, which completely would have changed the fate of my beloved Metal Warriors. Uh, but... Side could have been the Wii Sports of its generation. It really could have been, yeah. So side perspective, you control a robot, marching around, shooting enemies, got cool cutscenes and stuff for the single player. But then the part that I love is it's like a little bit uh, Blaster Master where you can like get out. And it is so satisfying. Mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for any game where you're piloting a giant mech and then you can jump out and get into another mech. And like these aren't just like the standard, even like Titanfall designs of mechs. Like they have different styles, but then they have like, okay, this mech is just a sphere. This mech is a spider and can climb on walls. And so you're like exploring these levels and finding different mechs. And when when one gets too damaged, then you pop out. And when you're the pilot, you have a jetpack and just like this little pistol. And so you're just like Mm -hmm. trying to hang on because you're just, you know, you're going to shatter if anything hits you trying to get into the next mech. But the star of the show, when I found this game was the multiplayer. Uh, where it has split-screen multiplayer, and it was so much fun. It's mm. some of my favorite. Cooperative or competitive? Competitive. Mm. Yeah, so it's just like, all right, you start out, you're in mechs, you can damage each other, you can then get out, try and fly to a different mech. So it's like part 
scavenging to try and find the coolest mech while also just a, a cool way to battle your friends. But uh, it was also, I learned not too long ago, that it was originally called Battle Droids. And they had to get George Lucas's permission because they wanted to use the word droids, even though it wasn't a licensed Star Wars game. But then mm. uh, it will land on Metal Warriors. And then apparently Nintendo didn't want to publish it because it was too close to the game Cybernator. They said, ah, it looks too much like Cybernator, so we don't want to go near it. But I don't think Cybernator had a multiplayer aspect. So it was completely different. Completely <laughs> different. <laughs> it sounds like a Titanfall like uh, predecessor, right? Yeah, I like, talked – actually, yeah, it's a weird thing because I talked to them about it on the Titanfall cover story trip because Joel Emsley, like the art director, he had a weird connection to it where – oh, I'm trying to remember. Like the art director that he learned from in the industry was the art director on Metal Warriors – Hmm. So there is like a weird lineage if you want to cross the path, uh, go back up the path all the way up from Titanfall to Metal Warriors. Not like it was a direct inspiration, but like, oh, there is a a dev connection there, which is weird. Hmm. Anyways, Metal Warriors, I love it. Still fun. Um, Number three, Anna? Let's see here. Uh, So... For my number three, I have Donkey Kong Country 2. Mm. Donkey Kong Country 2? Yeah. Oh, oh, interesting. Because that's just the (laughs) pirate one. (laughs) Yeah. um, So I really like this game because, well, one, like a lot of these SNES games, I played it um, on the Game Boy. And the first time I ever played it was in the dentist's office. Oh, no. Um, But I kept, you know, I was in the dentist's office and every, you know, six months or so I'd play it. And then finally asked my mom, like, can I get this game? Um, And so I really like this one. Obviously, the soundtrack is incredible. I mean, Um, is it? In my mind, it's the best Donkey Kong Country soundtrack. Maybe people might say mm. Tropical Freeze right now, but do you think – do I you think, like it more than the first one soundtrack? Uh, uh, I st- no, the first one is still my favorite. Yeah. Uh, but two is really good. It has the uh, – what, Bramble? Yeah, bush. it has the Bramble Blast. Yeah. I don't know. It's been it remixed also, so many times. Yeah. It also – man, that the title screen music yeah. is so good. Yeah. Just that like – I remember like, – yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's the hook theme, but I still love it. I remember yeah, yeah. I asked uh, David Wise about that, the composer, about the connections to hook. And he's like, oh, no, no. It's not connected to hook in any way. It's just there's a certain type of music that he was drawing from, just old adventure but like Pirate-y, the fact yeah. that the game came out like a couple years after Hook came out, you listen to that title theme. There's no way it is not directly influenced <laughs> yeah. by that. But I remember loving like the Game Boy version, which is Donkey Kong Land, Land yeah. too. But I remember my friend had it, and I would just sit on that title theme with the Game Boy up to yeah. my ear, listening to it over and over again. <laughs> like a boombox over your shoulder, and then I would march around town. Yeah, the coolest guy around, <laughs> talking about. It kind of sounds like the Hook soundtrack, you guys. Listen to this. Holding <laughs> it up to everybody. Uh, I, I love Dixie Kong too. Yeah. Just like mechanically, yeah. like just being able to float. I yeah. mean, that game is super hard compared yeah. to the first one, but her, her in particular, like made it much more manageable. And I also, I love that she showed back up in Tropical Freeze and like she's the lead character in Donkey Kong Country 3. Yeah. 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 Well, and that was another thing that drew me to it was I was playing all these games and it was fun to finally get to play as Dixie Kong. And I also sort of liked this larger story of the little guy going to rescue the big guy this yeah. time. Yeah. So. I remember there's one of those like, mind-blowing moments on the internet when people realize, wait, it was called Diddy's Conquest? <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, like the wordplay I feel like was slowly seeping in for decades for people before they realized like, oh, that's a clever name. Now this this might be a little bit of a, a spoiler for Donkey Kong Country 2, but do you, do you remember King K. Rool's final boss form? Because in the third one, he's he's like a no. scientist. Because like in Smash Brothers, as King K. Rool, all his special abilities like emulate 
his final boss modes from DKC one, two, and three. Oh, weird. So like the forward, you know, attack is like his his Donkey Kong Country two cannon, I think, and then like his third jump is the the helicopter backpack from Donkey Kong Country three. But I don't I don't remember what DKC two was because I mean I that's I love that series, but I only played the second one through once because I think it's the hardest of all three. Of oh, those. really? Yeah, yeah. It's I tough. I got a lot of mileage out of that game just because it was so hard. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, yeah. it was one of those ones that like I came to later again. You know, like played a lot of Donkey Kong Country one and three randomly, but two I I think I was like in high school when uh, my sister gave it to me as a gift, like she tracked it down at a flea market. And uh, and it took me forever to play through it. Like it took even even as like you know a a better gamer at the time, like not being a child necessarily. Like it was still brutal to get through that. For oh sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, Jeff. Number three. Uh, number three is Super Mario World because it's Super Mario World. <laughs> Mario's in um, it. He's got a cape. No, and and this is one that it's hard because whenever we had the the. Super Mario ranking arguments at GI. It yeah. seemed like Super Mario Brothers three always won out for some reason. I, probably because th- it's like an older crowd, right? Yeah, I, I think at some point we may have flipped the room, but it it seems like your love of Super Nintendo kind of stopped depending on how old you are when you played them. Yeah, if, if you were old enough to remember Super Mario Brothers three when it came out in its heyday, mm-hmm. like that cemented it as the pinnacle game but i was i was not i did not have that nostalgia for it and so all that nostalgia dumped into super mario world for me but if, but that's another case of the added technology and moving up to 16-bit graphics i think just flesh out that world and the ideas the themes for each of the different areas so much better for me that even now like when i think back to super mario brothers 3 there aren't a lot of like I can't think of a lot of different individual levels in from Super Mario Brothers three that they don't stand out to me in the same way when I think about Super Mario World. That's interesting. Maybe yeah, more variety in levels in world, but I still maybe this is odd. But having not played either of those games as a kid, like mm-hmm. I love the art in Mario three still so much more. Just like the color palette is so bizarre. So even if it is not enough variety in the levels doesn't pop. I just like the look of that game still. I think it holds up in a really weird, abstracty kind of way. But do you remember playing Mario World for the first time? Was that like the game you got with the Super Nintendo then? Yeah. And we had rented it multiple times before then. I Actually, I remember I was supposed to... I had... We would go on skiing trips sometimes during the weekends, oh, but we had God. rented a Super Nintendo that weekend, and so I super didn't want to go skiing because <laughs> I wanted to stay home and play Super Mario World. Yeah, of uh, course. But yeah, that that was, you know, just another go-to that we played so much of as kids and I couldn't come up with any interesting trivia You're for fine. that one. No, but there the interesting a- trivia attached to it is that Miyamoto wanted to make Yoshi much earlier than Super Mario World. Yeah. Which he there was Yoshi's Cookie that came out at some point yeah, before that. Yeah, retrofitted on the NES which Game Freak, Freak yeah. the NES. Yeah, but apparently it was an idea that he wanted and toyed around with for a while, and, it, and apparently there were, he made a game called Devil World. Yeah, the much Pac-Man earlier. Clone. Yes, and that that was the one thing that I didn't know. So I was I was reading about it, and I went through Devil World and looked at the picture of this small green dragon, and I was like, okay, I can kind of see that. And then I started reading the description of it, which is like 
Tadagan or whatever his name is goes around these levels and he has to collect crosses and Bibles in order <laughs> to fight the the devil yeah, who, devil who dances at the top of the screen the entire game. And they were like, <laughs> suffice to say, couldn't come out in America. There was no way in hell it was coming out in America. But then so then when I looked up video, because I thought this game is bonkers. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's it's totally just a Pac-Man clone. And it's so sad to see. Well, I don't know about sad, but it's like somebody as brilliant as Miyamoto is just like recognizing God, I missed the boat on Pac-Man. That's clearly mm. a brilliant design. I'm just going to do it, but I'll do a weird Christian version of it. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure it never comes out in America. That's this is right. only yes. for Japan. That's right. Sweet. Uh, excellent choice. Uh, Kyle, not much love for Super Mario World. No, I, I I sort of missed a boat on that one because I got my Super Nintendo late. Yeah. It's not one I ever owned. It's not one I... Have you gone back and played through it? Uh, yeah, a little bit. A um, little bit? Yeah. I mean, I... Uh, yeah, I I own it on Wii U, and then on the SNES Classic, I sat down and, and played it a bit. You know, I've given it a shot, like a genuine shot. But you've but never made it through credits. No, it just it's not. It doesn't click with me, like for whatever reason. I'm kind of in the same boat yeah. where I eventually, right around the same time, I finally played through Mario Three. Also played through Mario World, um, and playing it as an adult, it's like yeah, at a fine time. It was a little tougher than I than I expected yeah. going through it. I don't know how many levels I could <laughs> I could list or even talk about in half. Hey, Jeff, I'm, here's a weird question. Do you um do you like ghost houses? Yeah, I like the ones in Super Mario World. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. It's like it's a thrill whenever you encounter them. I just I, maybe because <laughs> I don't like puzzles. Every time I encounter a ghost house in any Mario game, so I was like, oh god. As you've said, you're very stupid. So. I'm incredibly stupid. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, great choice. Hey, Mario World. Great choice. There it is, yeah. Kyle. Uh, my number. We were on three, right? Yeah. My number three is basically my Mario World. You know, <laughs> it's uh, Donkey Kong Country One. Oh, sure. Because uh, that was like my – that was – I got the Super Nintendo, as we talked about, with the Donkey Kong Country packed in. And like that – like, you know, playing NES so much at friends' houses and dabbling with Super Nintendo and then seeing that game, I was like, oh, my God, this looks incredible. Yeah. Like, this looks like the future of video games. And uh, I just I, – I, the platforming is fantastic. I love the soundtrack. It may – it might be like my favorite – video game soundtrack period really yeah like we always joke about like david wise versus grant kirkhope and like which ones we're fans yeah. of and i like i just legally you can't say that the podcast intro oh, is made by grant kirkhope that's right so that's you right. can't reveal you your know, answer you'll bleep mm-hmm. this out right oh, yes. yeah but um yeah that game like it's like just as like jeff was describing with uh mario and like harvest moon and everything it's just like that playing that game is just like comfort food for me right like, yeah. when the snes classic came out i sat down over the course of like two hours one afternoon and just played through it because it was just like I just love this game and it makes me so happy. Yeah, and um, and like I love two, and then but like one, it, like the sort of favorite order would be like one, three, then two. Um, yeah, I just I just really love that game. Did you get the VHS in the mail about the making of? I, uh, you know, I don't think so. But I've gone back and watched it like on YouTube. The reason I pause is because I've got I got some of those VHSs. Oh, I really? got like the Mario sixty four one. Oh, I should watch the other ones because yeah. for some reason I never. I never owned a Nintendo console until GameCube. Um, I don't know what. I don't know what triggered it. Yeah, yeah I, I was. I, I, I was a Nintendo subscri- Power subscriber. Okay, I was not. Somehow yeah. they somehow got the VHS of the making of Donkey Kong Country they knew into my mailbox. Yeah, it's like this kid's <laughs> going to want to make a lot of videos about making video games at yeah. some point. Uh, I watched that so much. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know in what universe I would watch that and then not like beg my parents for a Super Nintendo. Did you, play, did, was, did you ever play that game or did you ever no, go back to it? No, I, I eventually played the second one then on Game Boy at my friend's oh, okay. place and stuff, you know, but that was really my only connection did, to it. But. Did you play the first one at all, Anna? No, I didn't. No? Just yeah. skipped to two? Yeah, well, it was just sort of based on the Game Boy and so yeah. what I had played. And that was my first Donkey Kong 
um, game period. And yeah. so it was the first time I experienced that platforming. Um, so I just figured, well, I'd go with two. Yeah, <laughs> no, you get for it. Sure. Go for it. Go for yeah, it. And like just the diversity of levels in that is like is crazy. Like yeah. you, you start in the jungle and make your way through the mountains and there's these like crystal caves with this like eerie soundtrack and there are like scary levels and like even like – there's a couple levels where you play through factories that are like polluting areas of the island and stuff like that. Yeah. I just like it felt like a, a fully realized world to me in a strange way. I yeah. And then of course we all watch the TV show and we're just oh, offended. It's like we can reach out and touch them. <laughs> They're so real. But yeah, I, 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 do, I, love that game. I do remember the the graphics being so groundbreaking when that game came out and I think we had been playing it at like Thanksgiving when it first came out because, so we had a lot of relatives over and I remember Two of my older cousins had come in and they were so one the younger one was so amazed he was like you got to check this out you got to see these gla- these graphics and he, my older cousin had to go and borrow someone's glasses because he forgot his glasses <laughs> so oh he was like God. looking at it like right up against the screen did he break like, the glasses amazing. when his eyes actually yeah. punched through that, the glass yeah. like and like donkey kongs do he's exactly. been blind ever since because <laughs> of that but it it was just such a you know like technological leap oh yeah though, yeah yeah it's awesome so, yeah uh let's see my number three is harvest moon anna number two there you go my number two um, is Link to the Past. So oh, there we go. Now yeah. we're flying. Now we're buzzing through. So you, that's the one that you played on Game Boy, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I played that on Game Boy. And it's funny because I actually do have quite a bit of nostalgia for it, even because it was like my third Game Boy game. Mm. Well, that's confusing. Yeah, just think about like those re-releases. It's like mm-hmm. how I'm nostalgic for the special edition of Star Wars because like, oh, yeah. yeah, I saw that in theaters when I was 10. Like, of course, it has the same impact, just different generational yeah. release, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. Weird. Uh, number two? Number two is Super Metroid. There it is. Someone had to say it. You had to say, later, say the magic right? words. Thank you for being our classic guy, Jeff. Yeah. Um, it's good. It's a good, good video game. Yes. It's <laughs> notable for its Metroid-style level design. Because <laughs> okay. it Could you maybe out, call it, it a came out Metroidvania? Years, yeah. <laughs> it came out three years before Symphony of the Night, which yes. is why everyone... Oh, it's everyone, only three? Yeah. Oh wow. I, I think so. Yeah, that no, makes sense. Yeah. I totally understand why that got certain people in the Game Informer office much more than it does me. Uh-huh. But yes, it was just Metroid clearly established that yes. much earlier and I don't know why we call it Metroidvania. What is your experience with Super Metroid? Do you remember picking up for the first time? Yeah. Uh that was that was one that we actually had as opposed to Link Link to the Past yeah. for a long time and it it took me a long time before I actually beat it, but that was the first game, speaking of crying because of Princess Peach earlier, that was the first game I cried at because of a story-like moment. Really? Yes. The ending where the baby Metroid comes out and saves you, sacrificing himself. It was the baby Yoda had of me, its day. Yeah, had me crying. And that was that was one of the first games where I ended up being better at it or just playing it more than my brother did. And so, like, I never... Most of the games my I would watch my brother, you know, play through like the harder things. That was one where I was actually got to the end myself and was playing through it by myself. And the finale of that game is still just like blows me away and makes yeah. me shake every time I'm playing it because it, it is so intense. And yeah. like and at that point I didn't understand, you know, that it's a scripted moment where the where 
mother brain beats you, you know? And so I was just like, why am I losing all my health? I can't believe this. And oh, then no. the Metroid saves you and I cried. And then I had to actually fight, you know, the final form. And then you have to actually work your way out of it as yeah, the time cool. is ticking down. And Which was, is also in the beginning of the game, right? So it's like this weird full circle thing. I think so. Yeah. Okay. yeah it's like a Metroid thing at this point, right? Having a timer where you have to get out of there. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. So my experience with Metroid is I, I EGM called it the greatest game of all time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I was like, all right, well, I have to play this. And I was, I was like, uh, high school at that point. And then like, I found a physical copy, and it was like, it was expensive, but like, I, I bought it because I was like, I, if this is the greatest game of all time, I want to have it. I want to yeah. play through it. And like, it was great, and I really liked it. And the thing that struck me, like, even coming to it late like that, like, because I was like, we were coming up on the PS2 era at that point, was like how creepy it is. Like mm-hmm. initially, like it's, it's even. Like then, I was like, "Oh, this is like the tone here is yes. really impressive. It was, like it is eerie. There were, cool. yeah. there were areas that were legitimately haunting, which is not an yeah. adjective I use a lot when I'm describing you know games and stuff. But even back then, and a lot of it was the music. I mean, yeah. the music's huge because you remember like, oh, Metroid. You think of like you know, for me, an idiot. I'm like, oh, it, the good songs from Smash Brothers. Like, okay, crazy <laughs> layers, stuff like that. But it's like, oh no, that was all just in the first one. The second one is so much more atmospheric and mm-hmm. subtle with the soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's worth noting that even though she doesn't have a lot of character, it it was one of the earliest games that came out where you had a female protagonist that was, even though she didn't have a lot of character, like she was a badass and and it's everyone respected. That. Yeah, you don't yes, need a lot yes, of personality. She was an intergalactic bounty hunter. Was yeah. it uh, was it a surprise for you when she took off her helmet at the end of the game? I no, I. You didn't. You know mean about like that. the original Metroid? Oh, did you play the original Metroid? Yeah, you did. Okay. Oh, okay. Which and I that was another one that I hadn't beat. I think it was in a different cousin that I watched beat it, and and he was good enough at it that he could get like the swimsuit ending, and so that blew all of our minds, <laughs> our prepubescent minds. <laughs> but the other, I think this was the most interesting fact because I did not know this. Uh-huh. Um, it did not sell well at all. Really? Because it came out so late, it ended up being the 33rd best-selling game for Super Nintendo. Mm. And it was outsold by Super Scope 6, if you remember <laughs> you that. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I didn't know anyone who had that. I know. That's, the, that's why it's so remarkable. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, it only sold, I think it was, like, less than a million and a half copies or something wow. like that. I don't know so, why Nintendo isn't backing Medjray more. Yeah. yeah. Did it get any ports? Uh, mm-hmm. Well, like the virtual console, obviously, but n- yeah, no. it didn't. It didn't come to Game Boy Advance. That's really weird because they did yeah. the re- they did Zero Mission, and yeah. then Metroid Fusion was like a big. That was a big yeah. deal to launch the Game Boy Advance. With that. Yeah, but yeah. The only other place was is the SNES Classic, the the Wii U Virtual Console. I guess the 3DS Virtual Console. Yeah, but just yeah, just Virtual Console. Yeah, yeah. but it, that it is such a weird and it, you know like. All of the history talks about how everyone thinks it's the greatest game and how all the magazines have, you know, kind of crowned it as mm-hmm. one of the best games ever. But I can totally understand how Nintendo has a different percep- perspective on it because it they did put a – it had a very large budget and a long time going into it because the first one was so successful and then it did not sell well. You yeah. Know? And there's even the weird wrinkle too on top of that. Like sales-wise, it's not pulling through. And then I also remember learning – from a good source that Miyamoto, he just like, he doesn't really like it. It's mm-hmm. not his thing, right? And not like yeah. he's pushing everything forward with Nintendo, but like if your creative 
you need somebody to champion it. And if the most powerful creative voice in your company is like, I don't really get it. Yeah. I don't know why people like this so much. The boss, the boss doesn't really care about it and it didn't sell well. Yeah, exactly. That's a yeah. tough one to champion then. Mm-hmm. But still, there's those rumors that there's going to be a new 2D Metroid game this year that seemed pretty reliable, maybe connected to Fusion. So that should be yeah. interesting to yeah, see. Yeah, and it, it is still my favorite Metroid game. I don't know if everyone feels that way. If you guys liked the Prime stuff, I and, like Metroid Prime. But. And when that when that two D came, the new two D game came out. It like without the sprites, I don't know what it is. I'm you broken. Do it. I'm a broken human being. Well, you can play the because... uh, the sprite remake then the, that the fan made. Oh, is that yeah, was that nuked? Another Metroid two remake. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. probably hard to track down, but ah, you, you can probably know. you can find yeah. it. Anyways, Kyle, number two. Number two is Super Mario. World to Yoshi's Island. <laughs> yeah, is that the, that's the full title. Hell yeah, yeah it is. Uh, yeah, I love that game. Um, it like I I sort of missed the boat on boat on Super Mario World, but I did. Uh, I got a copy of Super Mario. Well, we'll just call it Yoshi's Island. Like right, Please. pretty quickly after it came out. Yeah, you know, and uh, it was it's. I just love that it puts like a, a wrinkle on just like solid platforming you know with the egg throwing I mean just like Dixie having the hover mechanic for Yoshi is just like oh yeah. every platformer needs that yeah. little hover yeah. bump yeah. there and I just the art is so cool like it just like it's one of those things it's a, that there's that the story that like Miyamoto uh, to just <laughs> keep talking crap about Miyamoto not understanding things like he never he didn't like the way Donkey Kong Country looked apparently yeah like he was never a fan of that he just thought it would age poorly and I mean he was right you know yeah. uh, but like but the the Yoshi's Island look, I think, is pretty timeless. Like it, it looks like a like a, chill, a child's drawing kind yeah. of, and it just it works so well to be like carrying a baby around. And like the bosses are so great. Every boss is interesting and cool. Yeah, and, like, Raphael the Raven, which I think is like the fifth yeah. world boss. Where you're on the moon, you have to like slam it and go around there. I loved it, and it's like man. It was like a weird precursor to Super Mario Galaxy in a way, just like yeah. running all the sides of the planet. And I loved it that when I visited Nintendo's headquarters in the States, one of their conference meeting rooms on the ground floor is called Raphael the Raven. Oh, really? <laughs> it's like, what yeah. a weird specific name for is your it a circular room, conference room? It is. Yeah, okay, it's upside okay. down. You have to stomp on the little plants. Uh, yeah, also that final boss like is just incredible and the soundtrack is awesome. It's one of those. Yeah, just that weird metal. The yeah. yeah, it's amazing. And it's, it's one of those games that like for a long time I would just like – get home from school and be like, you know what, I'm going to go beat the end boss because it's just so much fun. Yeah. Like, I would just play that end boss over and over. And it's a game that I've played through multiple times. I, I played it through on Game Boy Advance when it came back out on Game Boy Advance, uh, even though they, like, changed the audio a little bit. Well, they added, like, the boing hop and basically, like, the Smash yeah. Brothers sound effects in there, which I'm not crazy about, but yeah. it's still a great version. They added new levels as well, but... A lot of those were just they were, ridiculous because mm, I was playing through. And they're it. also hard to get because you have to get like perfects on every level. I unlocked them and I played them. Yeah. But I don't think I really had the best time. No, because I was going for a 100% run when I was playing on the DS on that Game Boy version. And yeah, I remember there's a level called Items Are Fun where it's like, here's just everything from Yoshi's Island packed into one level. Go ahead and find everything to get 100%. And I could never do it. Like yeah. that one, I think there was another one but that I never found there's all the items there. There's a crazy sewer level that my brother and I drew the map to try to get through because there were pipes that would take you to different locations yeah. and stuff like that. I think is, that was one of the bonus levels, right? One of the downsides yeah. of Yoshi's Island are the mazes. Yeah. Especially like towards the end, I think there's a level called like the long, long maze, and they aren't joking. Like, even though I've played <laughs> yeah. through that game so many times, like that one's always like, oh no, here yeah. we go. This but, is going to be a grind. Yeah, just fantastic. It's like probably it's. I mean, I don't know. It's always that debate is like, is it a Mario game? But like, if you if you consider it a like a mainline Mario game, it is like easily my favorite 2D Mario. Oh, like, I'm 100 like, the same. Yeah, camp. yeah, and it's by nice. A mile. 
not having nostalgia packed in with all this stuff coming to it late. Like it wasn't until college that I even really played Yoshi's Island. Like I might've seen it here and there or something. I was like, oh, I should check this out. I loved it in a way that topped all other 2D Nintendo platformers for me. Like I think it has aged so well, the variety. And also, I don't know if it's a little bit of like the underdog thing of people don't like it. There's some like Mario World fans that are like, eh, that's like the weird kitty offshoot. You don't but like it? But it's weird because like people love Mario I, 2 and that's also like a you know, I, varied take. Yes, and I love Mario 2. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I never played it when I, I never really even knew about it. I didn't, I never knew that it was called Super Mario World 2. And yeah. so when I finally found that out when I was in college and was like, oh my God, there was a Mario World 2 that I missed. Yeah. I was like, what is this crap? <laughs> and I've tried to go back to it multiple times because you guys have talked about it so many times. Yeah. I guess I have to try again, but it just never has never clicked with do me. I, oh. Do you hate it too, Anna? Yoshi's Island? Yeah, as much as Jeff I'm clearly no, despises I mean, it. I really like Yoshi's Island. I didn't play it a whole lot. Um, borrowed it from a friend yeah. one time. But I just really loved the Yoshi's Island field in smash bros oh and sure so oh okay to me and that's the first time that like i got connected to yoshi's island yeah um that's one of like the heart and the two yep, levels going yeah down. and okay. there's like the two yeah like the 2d drawings again with the children's style and right i um but you know playing it again just always nice to have that jump and with um, Yoshi, for me, as like a young kid, Yoshi was always a more interesting character to me than <laughs> more Mario. Because dinosaurs like, are cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, he poops eggs as like a weapon. Like, yeah. that was what else do you so want? bizarre yeah. to me. And I was like, it was one of those things where, you, like, the first time you eat an enemy and poop out an egg, it was kind of that thing of like, they're allowed to do this? Like, do the, he's just allowed to poop out eggs and we're all okay with this? I'm zooming in on the opening for you. <laughs> but also it's cool. Yeah, just I took my glasses off and pressed uh-huh. my face up against the glass. But it's nice just having that weird variety too of like, obviously you can turn into the weird vehicles like Yoshi has a helicopter for some reason or the mole. But, but why not? Why not have Why not have fun? Exactly. But then even beyond that, like, okay, then you can swallow the watermelons and sh- shoot out yeah. the seeds like you have a little gun for also, Yoshi. I, Donkey Kong Country pulled the same trick but it's so effective of just like the start screen just basically saying, like, everything takes place here. Yeah. And that just, like, I don't know, just makes it more compelling of, like, let's zoom in here and, like, explore this place. You yeah. Know? Like and then when you finish the world, real. it's like, okay, to zoom out and change that. Yeah. Actually, the entire world map will kind of change. Yeah. And that's, like, for sure. a good example of using that, like, Super effects chip, like, Super effects 2 chip, I guess, in that yeah. area it would have been. Um, but then, like, having that world map on the, on the title screen and then also, like, in a lot of the dungeons having, like, the little... Uh, doors and wooden platforms that come slamming down and stuff. It's such a weird use of 3D. Yeah. Even though I love the art in that game, there are like those moments where it's like, that looks so different. That and then also, I think it's like the game. It's like CGI in an old movie kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And then like even, I think it's the game over screen. Like it just looks, it looks like Donkey Kong Country. It's like this weird take oh, on the sure, art. Oh, sure, sure, yeah, 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 yeah. So there's weird like discrepancies in that. I just didn't get art. game overs that much. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my Boy. number two is also Yoshi's Island. Yeah, it's great. the best. Uh, Anna, number one. Number one. Um, so this probably isn't a surprise, but my number one is Earthbound. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to say about Earthbound that we didn't get to before? Um, I don't know. We talked about it for a while. Yeah. Um. I don't know, just that, you know, that what I like about it is that it takes place in the U.S. and we still haven't really seen any RPGs do that. And that's something hmm. that I appreciate about it is just the work that it inspired later on. So games like Undertale that were inspired by it. Yeah, and, oh, undoubtedly, yeah. Um, and even just, you know, it introduced, also it introduced some ridiculous mechanics. Like 
a lot of people don't know this, but if you press A, like into the time of the beat of the song, you do more damage. What? And, it, and that what? mechanic is fully fleshed out and explicit that. in Mother 3. Um, but it is, yeah, someone like dove deep and <laughs> found that's that out. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Because that's, that's like, because I said earlier, like it was a coin toss almost between Mario RPG and Earthbound for me. Yeah. And like that's one of the reasons I like Mario RPG so much is because like I had played RPGs, even Chrono Trigger at the time. And I was like, eh, this, it just feels like I'm rooting through menus. And yeah. Mario RPG was the first chance where I was like, oh, I'm engaging in the combat still. Yeah. yeah so like yeah. the fact that you could do that with Earthbound as well is, yeah. is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah cool. And it's still turn based, but it, experimented and played with new ways to sort of bring the player in. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Mm-hmm. Jeff Murray Fava, number one. And was linked to the past. There it is. Yep. Kyle Hilliard, number one. Mega Man X. <laughs> Does wow. that surprise you? Or? No, I guess no. I forgot yeah. about it. I was really trying to think if you were going to throw a curveball. No, I I mean, I still, pro- I have played Mega Man X like once a year for like decades at this point yeah i I love that game like i I, when i applied to game informer i put on my resume that i could beat Mega Man x in under two hours you know and yeah they actually added a note that said we don't care yeah yeah. (laughs) i don't know it came up Uh it was a good joke but yeah i just the music it was also one of those things i when i played it like i would just it's hard to explain because it is like it's actually a, a surprisingly dark like idea if you look at like what the story is which is kind of hidden you know what i mean like what is it like well it's like this uh world where you know robots have become like just crucial to humanity like they need them for everything and this virus rips through them and some of them turn evil and like the whole story is like x has to like come to terms with killing his own kind in order to save humanity like right and it's like that stuff doesn't really surface that much but like if you read the booklet and like that's a big part of the ending so like there was all like I really loved the dashing and the jumping and the and the gaining new abilities and like the just I liked all that stuff. But then like after I beat it and sort of saw that sort of like that story, like I, I would just spend so much time thinking about <laughs> that world. Like it really I I really like loved the fiction of Mega Man X in a weird way. Just the way. X series. Just the X series, yeah. yeah. Like, which is it's so funny because I'll like I talk about X sometime. People, are like, oh, Meg, so you like Mega Man? I'm like, nah, I don't, I don't care for Mega Man. It's uh, the dash, like, just changes everything to me. Like, it makes it so much more fun and fast to move through those levels. But um, yeah, I just that game. I uh, like, I still play it all the time. Like, it's just like it's it's one that I'll just like I can get through it in like like an hour and a half or two hours. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh yeah, I've got my 3ds, got on my Switch now. Right. Like, right. I just love revisiting that game, and like I, I wanted to continue even. Like, I would like to see more. Was Mega your family Maxes. really into it too? Was was yeah, your brother me and, like me and my really brother Tristan it? were like super into Mega Man X. Like that yeah. was definitely one that like uh, we would see like. Uh, work together to figure out the sort of um bosses and their and their weaknesses and stuff like that. And I remember like I beat Armored Armadillo without using his special weapon and like my brother came home from school and I was like, I did it, man. I did it while you were gone. I beat Armored Armadillo. And he was just like, no way. Like it was this like is this thing that we worked together to complete. Yeah. And it was just like It is weird talking about all these old games, how much like family comes up. Like the yeah. importance of like cousins yeah, sure. and siblings. Yeah. Yeah. And it was I I, it was funny. We uh, so I at a PAX on one occasion. We uh, I went and saw Mighty Number no. Nine, and um, oh. th- yeah, and it was it was early, and I was I was playing the game, and I I, I actually enjoyed it at the time because like the, the, there's some dashing mechanics in, in Mighty Number no. Nine, and I remember like thanking them for showing me the game, and I was like, yeah, I really love Mega Man X, so like I, I'm excited to play this because I like X so much, and like uh, the one of the people who was in the room was like, oh yeah, I, I directed X two. And then it was like basically <laughs> like the door closing. I was like, 
oh, I would have loved to talk to you about that instead of Mighty Number no. 9. <laughs> like, I was just like, this, like, on the way out the door. I'm like, oh, oh thanks, I'm God. excited. I really love Mega Man X, so I'm looking forward to playing this. And they're like, oh, oh yeah, X, I, I directed X2. All right, see you later. Thanks Sick. for stopping by. I was like, oh, my God. All right. It's a classic Capcom thing. There's just so much talent in yeah, there. You just yeah, forget. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, Mega Man X, classic. Uh, totally holds up today. I, I adore that game. Yeah. Uh, my number one, I guess it's kind of a recent thing. I think... It's it's Chrono Trigger. Yeah. And I don't know if I would have said that before playing through it for mm. the deepest dive, but playing through that game again, like I loved it back in the day, but I'd forgotten so much. But playing through it now, I for, and maybe it'll, in the final third, maybe it'll all fall apart and I'll remember all the flaws of Chrono Trigger, but playing through it, it's like, it is just so tight. Like the fact that the point people go to to complain about Chrono Trigger is like, oh, that stupid race in the future in the beginning. It's like... If the worst part about this game is like a yeah. 40 second mm-hmm. race that is not that bad at all. Like I know it's a different gameplay mechanic and stuff that throws some people off. But that's just I think it is a testament to how tight all the dungeons are uh, navigating is. And, you know, uh, I was so enthralled by that new Final Fantasy VII trailer that I went and was traveling to Orleans uh, over the weekend and stuff. And on the flight, I played through up to the end of Midgar uh, in Final Fantasy VII. And even playing through that, like as much as I love Final Fantasy VII, that game is a mess. And there are <laughs> sections where it's like, what am I supposed to be doing here? Obviously, visually, it's all a mess. I'm just like, where can I navigate? And just playing through Chrono Trigger at the same time, that game is just, Mwah. like I know we've had a couple <laughs> moments of, oh, there's a door over there that I couldn't quite see. It took a little exploring to find it and stuff like that. But yeah, it's just the perfect lesson in like just good sense of momentum in an RPG. And the number one is just the tone. The tone, the lighthearted spirit that amount of sympathy that game has for every living thing mm-hmm. in its world. And then also it's just like the perfect recipe for a variety in an RPG of having time travel of just no matter what, we're going to shake it up every couple hours, introduce yeah. you to more characters. Each character will have one of the greatest video game songs ever composed connected <laughs> to them, you know, and just keep mm-hmm. on plowing ahead. It's If you want to hear us talk about Chrono Trigger for uh, hours and hours and hours, you can check out the Deepest Dive over on our YouTube channel or in the Patreon audio feed. But there's a lot to dive into there. But, yeah, it it is my number one Super Nintendo game at this point. It's a great game. Also, I'd like to formally apologize to every fan of uh, Final Fantasy VI out there. I feel you screaming. I love Final Fantasy VI, but I was really trying to search in my heart. It's like, I think I like these five games more. Yeah. Final Fantasy II, that's... Four. Four. That's actually the the Super Nintendo Final Fantasy that I played the most. Oh, yeah? Was that one. Yeah. Uh, other shout-outs, Tetris uh, versus Dr. Mario, that Tetris was, and Dr. Mario. That was almost yeah. my number five. Yeah. When, yeah. I, and I think I probably played, I definitely played it more than Secret of Mana and probably a lot of those games, but it was... Yeah. But my love of Tetris goes so far beyond just Super Nintendo, which right. is why... Right, right. Also, shout-out to Lufia 2. Uh, also one of my favorite Super Nintendo games yeah. that uh, did not quite make the cut. Yeah, I thought we talked about Mario RPG a little bit. Yeah. I actually have a lot of love for Star Fox just because it was like mind-blowing. You know, yeah. great soundtrack there too. I, sure. I also played a lot of Contra 3, the Alien Wars, huh. which is like the weird thing about that game is like you have side-scrolling levels and overhead like isometric levels that go back and forth, which is neat. And then yeah. uh, I, I also liked Earthworm Jim a lot. I played that one a lot. Of course. Yeah. It's funny. It's weird. Yeah. Which I was like into that like earthbound kind of just subversive like, yeah, what, what use the video game medium as a way to like tell jokes. You yeah, know? for sure. Hey, Super Nintendo, not too shabby, huh? They did it, one man. of the best. Sweet. Anna, do you know how this whole thing operates? You know what we're what fumes we're running on? Yeah, I think so. 
And it's a... It's a Patreon. It's a Patreon. There we go. Patreon.com slash FinMax2Ns. Uh, that's what brought us all together. Thanks to everybody that supports us. You all are fantastic. If you support us at any level, you get access to the Discord, which is Shangri-La on the internet. Mm-hmm. It's lovely. Uh, the best people I've ever seen on the internet. And then also you get to leave a comment or question or topic for us to cover here on the MinMax Show. If you're a $5 supporter, you get access to the show a day earlier if you're into that sort of thing. But we have some wonderful supporters that uh, support us in a big, bad way, including HyperDot, uh, which uh, you're a little familiar with. Um, But this is a new game published by Glitch. So they say, check out HyperDot, a minimal action arcade masterpiece with one rule, dodge everything. In addition to over 100 single-player levels, HyperDot features couch co-op. Up to four players can drop in and do battle with friends to see who can survive the longest. Uh, HyperDot, yeah, we actually streamed it. Uh, yesterday, you can check out the great Goaty Hunt stream. And multiplayer, I think, is the star of that show. Like, yeah. I love single player just for having a good game to play and beat my head against the wall trying to beat all 100 levels uh, while listening to podcasts and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the secret ingredient in the multiplayer mode is, like, having the randomized settings. So if you're looking for just, like, an intense four-player co-op experience, or not co-op, but competitive experience, it's great because you say, okay, first to ten wins and go. And then every level is just so fast and always varied, and Jeffum's always horrific every time, right. no matter yeah. what. Definitely didn't win any <laughs> tournaments yesterday. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's just one of those reminders of... Even the simplest concepts can be so much fun when you're playing with other people and you turn it into a competition. Yeah, just trying to dodge shapes. had a lot of fun last night. Yeah, for sure. So check that out. Without you, Kyle. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. It was wonderful. I tried to come. That's true. It's a long story. Anyways, (laughs) the point is uh, HyperDot's out now on Xbox One and then also on Steam. Uh, So check it out there. What kills me is like, you know, Charles, the developer from Tribe Games, he's been working on this game for years and years and years. And there's not enough user reviews on the Steam version yet for it to say like positive or overwhelmingly positive or anything. So if you do like the game, it would be awesome for you to leave a review on there because I do think it is a, a really fun game. Yeah. <clears throat> also, get a load of this. Uh, no. How about we have some codes to give away for HyperDot? So if you'd like to check it out, you might have a chance to win here. Uh, so, hey, how about you tweet out this episode of the MinMax Show? It can be the audio version or the video version. If you tweet it out and include somewhere in there hashtag HyperDot, uh, you'll be in the running to get a code. And we have an Xbox code. We have a Steam code. So either should work for you. So I'll just go through those tweets and randomize it in there. So tweet it out, and then uh, we'll send a free game your way. It's pretty sweet. Um Superheroes, everybody. We also have a proud supporter here, Riley Hill from Superhero Cinema Scoop. He says, Superhero Cinema Scoop is proud to sponsor MinMax. Superhero Cinema Scoop is a YouTube channel dedicated to bringing you all the latest news about upcoming superhero movies, shows, and video games. Stories from Marvel, DC, Image, Valiant, IDW, and many more are covered. Videos are uploaded at least once a week, and now there's a new audio-only version available on most major podcast streaming services. Superhero Cinema Scoop is the perfect online place for comic book movie fans. And remember, that cinema is spelled with an S. Awesome. Uh, Riley uploaded videos recently uh, with like the first impressions of Birds of Prey because those reviews are coming oh. out. Is it? It is seems it like people are in the mode of like pretty good for DC. I'm optimistic about that movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to be. And then I, I read some of those early impressions though that are like, look, I mean, the st- main story is nonsensical and kind of dumb, but like you know, it's kind of charming and Harley Quinn's fun. Right. So that seems to be the tone it's landing with. Okay. Okay. Anyways, he goes over those first impressions. Also, rumors about Emily Blunt maybe playing Invisible Woman. She had a meeting with Marble, stuff like that. So who could ever know, though? Yeah, that's a good. (laughs) That's true. So check out Superhero Cinema Scoop with an S there. Her husband almost played Captain America. Well, that's the connection. Then he could come in as Mister Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Like that's what that's what people have been craving on the internet for a while. But we'll see if it'll actually happen. Happen. 
And the most exciting thing, we have a brand new sponsor for MinMax this month. And it's a big one. I'm very excited about this. We've been working on it for a little while here. I am 8-Bit. If you're familiar with them, they helped out Game Informer in a huge way. And us, during Extra Life, they shipped out amazing items to us, like the Cuphead vinyls went for like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Uh, All that money was going to charity. Um, So they're fantastic. They're a creative production company, an art gallery, just a cool, funky company with a lot of great stuff on their uh, site. You can go through their store, look through what they have. Um, They've worked with Nintendo, Capcom, HBO, a ton of huge huge companies just doing really cool collaborative projects, stuff like that. Um, But... They have a physical version of Kentucky Route Zero, a game that Serial obviously really liked. I played through the second episode. I want to keep going. Or second act. I'm going to blast through it. But uh, they have a physical version of that on PS4 and Switch. And they also have uh, the soundtrack on vinyl. It's a great soundtrack. Kentucky Route Zero there. And they wanted us to stress that for more information on the Kentucky Route Zero products, please call 1-858-943-6579. This is now, it feels like a radio show. Yeah. But please, for more information on the Are Kentucky Are we Route becoming Zero, part of the game no, now? No, no, this no, way? I'm just saying, for more information on this for my 8-bit, call 1-858-943-6579. Uh, and also just check out their site overall. They have so many amazing things uh, in the store. Like, yeah, the Cuphead vinyl, uh, Last Guardian soundtracks, Uncharted soundtracks on vinyl, uh, Lion King they made like a legacy cartridge of that. Mm. Kyle, do you want to grab that? The Mega Man X thing? Uh, physical versions of games like Inside, Grim Fandango. Uh, and most importantly here, you can use the promo code MINMAX at their store. You get 10% off your entire order, uh, one use per customer. But check out what they have in the store. Enter the promo code MINMAX. You'll be doing us a huge favor. Two ends, right? <laughs> That's right. M-I-N-N-M-A-X. Promo code MINMAX. You'll be doing everybody a favor and send them some love because they do a great job. But... The reason listeners and viewers should be especially excited about it is because of I'm 8-Bit's collaboration. We are proud to officially bring back Question of the Week. It's an old favorite, and it is now the official I'm 8-Bit Question of the Week for the MinMax Show podcast. So if you're a Patreon supporter and you leave a comment or question or topic for us to cover on the show for the MinMax Show podcast, uh, there is a chance that if we deem your question the best, if it makes the show better, then we will honor you with the I Am 8-Bit Question of the Week and ship something out very nice. This week, it is the Mega Man X cartridge. How sweet is this, Kyle? It's super sweet. Yes, it's the re-release. This is actually a cartridge for Mega Man X with amazing box art. Playable on a Super Nintendo, right? Yes, exactly. They have uh, the Yen sticker on here, which I think is an awesome touch. That's nice. And so every week we'll rotate through different things that we'll be giving away to the Question of the Week winner. So if you're listening to this and you don't support us on Patreon, maybe consider it. If you have something really good you think will make the show better, uh, it's a a cheap tier to be able to leave a comment or question for us to cover on the show. So again, thanks to I Am 8-Bit. And uh, without further ado, let's get to these questions. Connor, first one, he says, hey, you've been to the cohort. So in the terms of the making the show better category, last week's discussion of Kentucky Route Zero made me wonder if there should have been a spoiler warning beforehand. Probably. Probably fair yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah they did it on the Game Informer show, which I thought was nice. Um, he didn't give too much away. Like, yeah. you know, there's some surreal elements. I think everybody knows that's going to be in the game there. But yeah. Yeah. He was excited, you know? Yeah, he's trying to get the point across about why it's a very I mean, cool game. Yeah, I totally, like, I'm a very... Of spoiler averse person as well, but like what the things that Serial shared, like it made me eager to continue. Where I was kind of like waning a little bit after that first chapter, but uh, yeah. yeah. But we also could have just said spoiler before he went into. Yeah, it. we'll try to. Yeah. Do That's that. true. That's a good point. All right, Jeffrey Jones says, very important question here. What status ailment do you hate the most in video games? 
I hate poison. It is by far the most annoying to me. Poison drains your precious life and sometimes all the time at the most inopportune times, like one hit away from defeating a final boss. And to prove my point, it is the most annoying thing. Some games even have levels filled with nothing but poison. <laughs> That's a good point, Jeffrey Jones. Uh, I think for me, it's probably Confuse. Yeah, uh-huh. I agree. Is, is that just a Pokemon thing? No, I mean, even right now playing, like, there's a confusion status in Dragon Quest Eleven, and I think it's the idea of maybe overcoming but not knowing and then getting denied that's just, it's a roller coaster. <laughs> I don't want to go through that. Yeah, it is just having, like, that another layer of unpredictability, yeah. under, unpredictability thrown in that mix, especially with Pokemon after so yeah. many years of hurting yourself in yeah. your confusion. Yeah. I'm so sick of seeing that phrase. Yeah. Uh, even outside of... Like, it happens in RPGs as well, but, like, anything that slows down your walk speed tremendously, mm-hmm. like, oh, like, interesting. I hate. Like, I just, it's like, I don't ever want to be slowed down. Yeah. You know? so. yeah. Combine that with the poison, you get a flashing yeah. screen while yeah. you're going slow. Now there's yeah. good video yeah. gaming. <laughs> don't, don't mess with movement. And then also just sleep of just like a, well, okay, now you just can't do anything is always annoying too. Yeah, well, this might be an item in there for you. Uh, good point, though, Jeffrey Jones. Maybe games aren't good. Um, Evan <laughs> McHugh writes in and, I'm sorry for this, Anna. I'm sorry. This doesn't represent the classiness of our community. But Evan writes in and says, does Warcraft 3 refarted being a stale fart make you afraid that Diablo 4 is going to be a fart? We mentioned this on last week's podcast about like at the tail, like ah, people are kind of pissed about Warcraft 3 moving yeah. on. And now it is. I mean, that's all my YouTube feed is, is just like the outrage machine is fully aimed so at Blizzard they again. they didn't do a good job remastering it? Is that it's a complicated on? thing. So when they, they didn't have all the Pokemon, <laughs> basically, no. So when they announced it at BlizzCon last year, um, and also it was the same time that I was actually in Blizzard for two days, creating the cover story content for Game Informer for Warcraft Three Reforged. But when they announced it, they said, "Oh, we're retooling a lot of the story to be better in line with uh, World of Warcraft's lore, stuff like that. Redoing these cutscenes, all these things." Um, and then they eventually walked back and made it public. They're like, oh, actually, we're not going to redo the lore as much as we first planned. And then the crazy thing is they showed so much gameplay, and we played through it of showing like this very important mission within Warcraft 3 where, oh, the camera's dynamic. They had close-ups. They're reanimating all the faces. And then in the finished version, it's just like basically locked off camera again while this important story content's happening. Hmm. Hmm. So they just dialed back the production values, it seems, in a lot of ways with it. And then also people are pissed about uh, certain tech features and most importantly, the fact that this reforged version has replaced the old Warcraft 3 version that you could download. So you can't even get the original version of Warcraft 3 now unless you're playing it off a disc. And so the fact that it's like aggressively invading people's memories with what people see as an inferior product at this point um, is really frustrating mm-hmm. for a lot of fans. And then there's a lot of other little details in there too. If, but If you're someone who never, didn't play it though, is this still like the ver- like a good version to play? Is it, are, there, are there quality of life improvements that make it like a, a uh, smoother like They game? changed the UI and stuff, yeah. which I guess is a little bit, but it seems like they're erring on the side of making it more classic and not doing as much reinvention okay. as they originally planned. But gotcha. Yeah, that was crazy being on that cover story trip because it was so early in development like we played it and we played the missions that were at blizzcon and stuff like that but then i remember talking to the writers and they're like oh yeah we're working on the first draft of the revised script right now and it's like wow that's a you think you would have done this before then so i think this entire project was really coming in hot there were a lot of ideas about like oh we don't know exactly what we're going to be doing i think we're probably just going to remake the first cinematic and leave it at that which is 
what they ended up doing, right? Uh, but then even just dialing back the production values on the story, it seems counterintuitive to what they were saying because mm-hmm. they wanted it to be this kind of grand reinvention of, you know, the, the the pivotal moments in Warcraft 3. Yeah, it could have been an opportunity to, like, revitalize the sort of classic RTS. You know what I mean? Like, in the same way that, like, the Link's Awakening remake, like, got everyone, like, oh, you know, I, Link's Awakening's great. It's, like, this new audience and, like, there's all these people like me who never really played RTSs, like, that... If it was really exciting, like it could have been a chance for me to be like, all right, let me check out this classic game under a new lens. And, and you like, still can, yeah. you know, it's not exactly as ideal. But what breaks my heart is just knowing that I really loved that classic games team within Blizzard. I thought they were really awesome. I mean, they did a great job with StarCraft Remastered. I know a lot of that was outsourced. And even a lot of the, you know, they got a lot of art from, art help from overseas with Warcraft 3 Reforged, they were saying. Um, but they were expanding into a new building and they're really like building out the classic games team. So it's shocking that it seems that the production values went so much lower than expected. Maybe they were pulled off. Maybe they're already working on Diablo 2 remastered. You don't know. Mm. Like there were no hints of that when I was there, but that's the obvious next choice for remaking a classic game. Um, so no, I don't think it necessarily means Eben that Diablo 4 is going to be a fart. Very different right. teams. And this seems like a case of just the schedule budget got slashed in a huge way. Cause you know, spending two days with those developers, like, they loved Warcraft 3. Like, this is, I'm sure, very emotional for them, the fact that it was released in this way. I don't think you can pull the lazy devs maneuver. I think it's just Activision or whoever slashed the budget probably in a, in a big, bad way towards Which the end there. is kind of concerning for future projects as well. If it is something that they were so passionate about and they really wanted to do th- changes to it, if it was an Activision saying, well, okay, you got to get this out the door. Yeah don't spend any more money on it, then right. I guess I'd be a little worried about Diablo 4. Yeah, or maybe it's just we need to release Warcraft 3 Reforged, get it out the door so it can yeah. Ho- space things out so now we can actually yeah. take more time with Diablo yeah. 4. And, Who knows? And hopefully the fact that it, it is a remaster versus the next big step in this series, they wouldn't do that kind of thing with yeah, Diablo 4. for sure. Uh, Holden Hint says, hey, what pronunciation of a word have you never heard and only read, then to realize you've been saying wrong your entire life. I commonly correct people with Pokemon pronunciations despite the, despite the fact that I'm sure if I'm actually right. I've been pronouncing it Arcanine my whole life when I suppose Arcanine would make more sense. That's a tough one. I don't know. I've been saying Arcanine too. Yeah. I assume everybody yeah. has. You know what's funny? So, not to talk about my kid, which I know you love so much, but I... <laughs> The thing that I read, I do to, love your kid. The thing that I've been reading to her lately by, by her choice is just like Pokedex entries on Pokemon. She just loves for me to read the name of the Pokemon and like the entry, and I've just been going through all 800 of them. That's oh her bedtime God. story. And she is constantly correcting me on how to pronounce certain Pokemon. What does she names. know? The anime. Damn it. <laughs> There you go. So it's like it's it's just it's funny that uh, the the sort of impetus of this question comes from Pokemon because I've been experiencing that every night for like months. I'm like, no, Dad, that's not how you say its name. Oh no! Uh, so. Wait, do they stand out? Do you remember? Uh, no, even? I don't have any off the top of my head. But it's it's usually just like little like vowel sounds, like you know, like yeah, that. Yeah. But uh, she's very particular. <laughs> yeah, as particular as Jeffem is with me in the deepest dive when I pronounced it the mass immune. Yeah, I've been calling it the Masamune, the sword, my entire life, and then it's no Masamune. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you for drilling that into my Sorry. skull. Uh, other things? I can't remember, but I'm sure there's <laughs> names. I thought I had one earlier, but now I can't remember. So. Yeah. It is tough just when you've been reading these there's, things, yeah. especially in games for so long, like yes. old games. When, like you I, were, when you were gaming for a generation where it didn't have any kind of 
voices or you know spoken dialogue then yeah. there's a lot of interpretation going on in there like final fantasy 7 we did that deepest dive and it's like oh yeah next town is junin and everyone's like what junin everyone's Wait, just it's, horrified it's not sea loud <laughs> what do you mean uh, <laughs> Lara croft instead of laura it's a big one yep that's a big one uh Juan Rolon Jr. says, hello, MinMax crew. I just wanted to send a quick shout out to Beaten Down Brian and Wes Bates who put me onto you guys back when episode zero came out. Mm. Oh, that's sweet. Not so much a question, but a comment regarding the PlayStation screen share feature you spoke about last week. I never thought it would have bothered using it myself, but funny enough, I've needed it multiple times to help my father with a few games he got stuck on. Between Horizon Zero Dawn and God of War 2018, it saved me a lot of time trying to troubleshoot where he was stuck at over the phone. Just getting him to set it up properly is a chore for sure, but it gets the job done. That's a good strategy. Yeah, that's that's very smart. Greg Flemikeso Griffith says, Dear cohort and the computer-loving Benjamins, sure. Um, what was the first musician or band you ever saw live, and how was it? Anna, do you remember this? Yeah. Um, the first uh, band that I saw live, this is just stereotypical like, liberal arts student. <laughs> I saw Alt-J live they did the album like they had a couple of hits i yeah. love all j yeah they're, they're like the 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 newest like in terms of like recent music i don't know that i've gotten as excited about a band in yeah years. i so, like that you're like it's the first concert i went to and he's like oh it's the yeah, recent I, music I, just, <laughs> it is. I mean it's like what like four or five years ago they came on this this yep, the scene, yeah I yeah i went like the first semester of college yeah so yeah, that would line up the timelines. Were yeah, you, were you were you also surprised by the way that the singer looked? Like I watched a video <laughs> of them live, and Do I was like, "All what? right, that guy's the singer." And then this guy over here started okay. singing, and I was like, "What? Oh, okay." It was a Halloween concert, so they were dressed in costume. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it could have been someone completely different okay. lip syncing. We would have never. It might not have even been them. Yeah, all right, you never mm. know. Do you remember Kyle? Oh yeah, oh yeah. It was Papa Roach. Yeah, baby. With uh, their opening act was Alien Ant Farm. <laughs> oh, man. Is this like, wait, opening act? So it was yeah. before, before the cover? Man. Really? Before, yeah. In fact, I always remember it. I really thought it was funny because it was like a Papa Roach show. And they're like, hey, you guys like Michael Jackson? And everyone was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, well, we don't care. We're going to play a Michael Jackson song anyway. And then it was it was fun. So. Weird. Okay, so they're touring with it, but it was before they released the music yeah, video, before, which yeah. lit up the world. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I went and bought their album like within the week. I went and found it at my like local record store, right. but it wasn't. But and then I started seeing like music videos on MTV and stuff. So I felt very ahead of the curve. I felt very cool to be uh, in early on Alien Ant Farm. I remember thinking they were very cool, but it turns out I just like Michael Jackson at the time. And then <laughs> I remember, cover. was it their follow up music video? It was like at the movies? Was yeah, it, it sucked. And then I realized, like, oh, maybe I don't like Alien Ant Farm at all. They're a great drummer. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, mine was Nine Inch Nails when they did their Fragile tour. Come See, that's a good answer. answer. Come that's on, cool really guy. Yeah. <laughs> and that, like I said, that was my first concert experience. But as far as first concert experiences go, like they had huge like TV screens, you know, that was in sync with all the music. And, you know, like I'm sure Trent Reznor like makes all the videos himself to figure out how yeah. it will go with the music and stuff. But that was, yeah. and my, my brother got me the tickets for my birthday for that. And so we were like in the front kind of mosh pit section. So you are just squeezed in with people the entire time. Uh, and it was a crazy experience. I couldn't hear for like three days afterwards, <laughs> but 
it was worth it. Are you a big Nine Inch Nails guy? Like, are you a fan, or was it just a I, cool concert to go to? Yeah, like the Downward Spiral and then that album, which I just got on a whim. Like, I was driving somewhere, and they announced, because I, I hadn't, like, followed the band or anything, but I had heard on the radio, they were like, yeah, Nine Inch Nails just put out a new album. It's a double album, and it will blow your mind. And so I just drove to Target and got it, and it blew my mind. <laughs> That's awesome. It was, it was a... That is still just a crazy album and, like I said, a double album. And as an experience, like, that was super crazy. That was also at a time when you actually listened to albums on CD players and you weren't doing, like, five other things while you were doing them. Yeah, and so I just read the liner notes. sat in my bedroom, yeah, with the liner notes, listening to just that. And it was crazy. Yeah. And the concert was just as good. Uh, in New Orleans, I went on a tour of the Garden District, like a walking tour. Wait, I think this I was your first concert last week? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think I taped you about this on Instagram. But uh, the tour guy's like, oh, this house over here, this is John Goodman's house in New Orleans. I was like, oh, pretty cool. And like, John Goodman bought this house from Trent Reznor. It's <laughs> like, what a weird house. <laughs> yeah. I want to own I would that have liked thing, to have been there when they... Handed it off. You know, at Handed some it off point, the keys. Oh, yeah, yeah. I assume Trent Reznor gave a tour of the house to John Goodman. Yeah. I was really thinking about it. Like, it's probably something like I remember seeing Johnny Lang with my parents, you know, oh, on okay. some on some trip when I was young. But like the first one that like I traveled to the cities, which is like a two hour drive. Um, I don't think I, we talked about it. But I'm from like West Central Minnesota, like okay. New London, New London Spicer. Yeah. I don't know if you know that whole thing. Okay. Wilmer, if you heard of that. Yeah. Okay. There yeah, we go. The famous town of yeah. <laughs> Everyone's talking about Wilmer. <laughs> no, but actually, I do know Wilmer. Oh, good. So, yeah. Oh, good. Um. But, uh, yeah, so I drove to the cities. I think it was probably – I was trying to do the math here. I think it was for Sparta, and I think it was mm. for their Porcelain album. So it was like 2004. So, so it would their have second been, album? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The one that wasn't as good as the first That's album. right. Yeah. yeah, you remember it well. But, oh, yeah. yeah, I like their third one. Yeah, I bought that second one. Like, they came out. And yeah. I was like, that seems uh, – I'll go back to the first one. Yeah, but still was at the Quest in downtown Minneapolis. That was really That's fun. cool, man. Yeah. Hey, thanks, man. I thought that was really cool, too. My concert was lame. You have the cool ones. That's right. <laughs> I uh, did see Nine Inch Nails eventually, for what it's worth. Yeah, that's, fine. that's fine. <laughs> Yaro says, hello, I've been looking for a good sci-fi RPG to play since finishing Chrono Trigger. What are some of the best sci-fi RPGs you'd recommend? Um, gosh. Are you going to cry? Yes. No, there was, uh, what's that? There was, it was on Genesis, I think, is kind of where it found its footing and it was popular. And it, like, Fantasy Star? No, well, yeah. Actually, Fantasy Star is a good answer. But there was um, Sh- Shadow... It, they 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 made an, a a first person sh- uh, competitive first oh, shadow person run. Sh- shadow run. There we go. Oh, okay. Yeah. You really, did you play that back in the day? No, I just know people really like it and it's sci-fi. <laughs> oh, right? okay. All right. right? Uh, mm. I love Star Ocean Two on the original PlayStation. They remade it a little bit for the place for the PSP, um, but I think they might. I know they remade the first Star Ocean recently, so I hope they get to Star Ocean Two sometime soon because I think that game was still a hold up. I think it's really cool. Mm. Um, Stud Muffin. What is the last book you read or are currently reading? Or what is a book you would like to read? Seems like he just wants us to talk about books. <laughs> is anybody reading anything interesting? I'm reading a book called How to Do Nothing, um, and I'm really enjoying it. What's the premise? Well, it's kind of simple. It's about how to do nothing. Um, it's basically just a long – it's by an artist, and it's sort of t- – I'm in the middle of it right now. But she's sort of talking about how 
to sort of unplug, you know, in the modern media <laughs> age. Um, but it's also like about connecting to people and connecting to nature. So it's just sort of chock full of these really neat ideas like listening to what's going on around you um, rather than like even if you have headphones on like practicing deep listening, like hearing everything like the fan – Maybe the birds, um, maybe the heater, just, yeah. Wait, but you said even if you have headphones in? Yeah. So people yeah. listening to this podcast now? Yeah, they should pay attention to what they can hear in addition to the podcast. Should we give them a moment of silence? No, we're no. going to keep talking. No. It's, it's called multitasking. Yeah. It can't be that hard. Okay, okay. It's really good. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, I got a couple books on Minnesota history that I've been trying to go through. And at some point, I think I just need to pull the plug and be like, I'm not going to get through this. I just need to put it away. I'll go back to reading some boring political book or something. Uh, I think uh, the last book that I sat down and was like, all right, I'm going to read this through was, was David Sedaris's last book, which uh, yeah. is fantastic. I love David Sedaris. Um, and then also, once I'm tired of reading Pokedex entries, I move over to uh, Lord of the Rings, which I've never read. Uh, and you're reading that to your daughter? Yeah, it's a great at putting her to sleep. Does she like it at all? No, no. It's just. What are you doing? It's for me. If I'm going to sit there and read Pokemon entries for a little while, I can read a couple pages of Lord of the Rings out loud until she falls asleep. Huh. Okay. So you read Pokedex entries and you say, now let's shift over to this one. Does she go like, oh, more food descriptions? Yeah. Oh, they're still walking. They're still walking? What's what's interesting to you about that book? What stood out? Um, I I mean, I don't know, man. It's tough to say. Like, I, 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 I don't. I haven't found it particularly interesting yet. I, it still is just a lot of people walking around through the woods. <laughs> like, that's Perfect. what it is so far, you know. Yeah. But it is, I guess the one interesting thing is like knowing the films reasonably well, like to see the sort of you know different perspectives on like, oh, this is you know this is that scene from the film where they're hiding you know under the tree and stuff. Right, right. right. Except fun. it's thirty pages long. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. What yeah. a thrill! I, I hope I. I hope I. It, I get excited about it and get into it. It's not my first stab at trying to read through that series. Yeah. Uh, Brooks, Michael well, Williams. I think, Jeff, I, didn't you have... I, I had something Please. to say, but you were, you were going on. <laughs> hey, I'm going to keep plowing no, ahead unless somebody jumps in. Yeah, it's a book called Game Tech, which is about board game design, and it was kind of adapted from a a segment on a podcast, and so it jumps around to a lot of different design-centered ideas that go into board games, but also talks about kind of science and math behind it and stuff, and it's been very interesting. Yeah. So... There huh. you go. There it is. Game tech with a K instead of CH. Mm. If you want to look it up. Got it. Uh, Brooks Michael Williams says, Hey, Tanning Chatham and the CLCs. Uh, sure. Yep. Uh, would love to hear your takes on the Platinum 4 and the wonderful 101 Kickstarter. I backed it for the physical Switch version, thinking it'd be an uphill battle, but Platinum's crowdfunding plans have hit the ground running. Any interest on your side of things? What game in the Platinum 4 would need to be revealed to get you more interested? Okay, have you guys been following this saga? So Platinum has been teasing the Platinum 4, and then they launched a Kickstarter for a port of Wonderful 101. And it's interesting because it's like, okay, at $50,000, we'll bring our Wii U game, Wonderful 101, to the Nintendo Switch. And then upping it, we'll bring it to the PS4, bring it to PC, stuff like that. Um, it's just weird that it's like $50,000 for the port to the Switch? That seems very cheap. Yeah. It's an odd strategy. Is that just like a bonus of... I don't know. Because I... I, you can't develop it for that much but they must just figure they'll make the cost up and then 
or $50,000 will cover the cost? Or is it just a way to get $50,000? Well, they're on? getting a lot more than $50,000. Like, it's doing really well. I think it's, you know, well over what, like $1.5 million at this point, something like that. There are a lot of Wonderful 101 so fans So then it was a there. good idea. I basically. think it was a good idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just weird for a game that I thought Nintendo published to now go to crowdfunding to try mm-hmm. and bring it to other platforms. But it's cool. I'm excited. Uh, I would love to see, like, a port of... Metal Gear Rising on current gen. Oh, yeah. I think they'd be a really likely candidate if they do more. If that's what this Platinum 4 is hinting at, seems like people are confused about what it is. The idea is it's probably games that already released. Maybe, yeah. Okay, they're going to bag on that angle. Who knows? Uh, Victor Pham says, hey, with the recent release of Tokyo Mirage Sessions on Switch and Wonderful 101 now coming to other platforms, is the U, uh, sorry, is the Wii U finally dead? Yeah, I think it happened a while ago. (laughs) Uh, Are there any other Wii U exclusive games that are worth playing? So what's still trapped on that system? Uh, Earthbound. (laughs) I guess you're right. (laughs) Just bring the entire virtual console over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the virtual console is great on there. Yeah. 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 Uh, Uh, Mario Run in Nintendo Land. Mario Chase. Mario Chase. Yes. Specifically, and that wouldn't. I guess you need like a phone or some other way. Yeah. The camera isn't integral, but it's like a fun extra layer to that. But just to have a private screen. Oh, I guess you could do it with like on the Switch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I played that as recently as like. Like a year ago, yeah, with with the kid, and I was like, that game's super fun. It's, it's so still simple. awesome. Yeah, yeah, we played it at Extra Life. It's still great. Yeah, um, I know it's on other platforms, but I still think the Wii U version of Rayman Legends is really special. I think it's the best version of that game. Just yeah. to have the touch controls on the gamepad like that is really Wait, cool. Is Legends on Switch with touch controls? But even then, oh, I can't it imagine. Do you think it might be? All right, I'll yeah, look this up. You guys go for other ones. Um. Ah, I just had one, but 3D World, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah, three, 3D. Actually, that was it. Yeah, Super Mario 3D World. I, I would like both the Zelda HD remakes, which like, oh yeah, that sort yeah. of yeah. isn't really a Wii U game, yeah. but like, I would just like to have Wind Waker and Twilight Princess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think Wind Waker would crush on Switch. I oh people my God. would people yeah. would buy it all over again. More so than Twilight Princess. Like, yeah, significantly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I would like <laughs> I. I I would like to see them like take another look at Star Fox and maybe tweak the controls and see if anything can be done with that. Because, <laughs> like, the, I mean, it's like, I don't know. That game is weird. I played and beat it, but I was. I, I think they could revamp it. Yeah. I think it's possible to salvage that game, right? To just, just tweak the controls a, a, a little bit. It's, it's, uh, yeah. Or even yeah. keep them consistent. But, like, I don't know. That, I think that game's like, I, I don't think they want to revisit that. Yeah. Uh, affordable Space Adventures. That's a fun game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would work be with touch screens. One. Yeah, that's I what I was so. thinking of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, Jacob Zombie Geller. U. Oh, Zombie U. Right. They already did, I think, release it on this oh, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, it's called a zombie. Uh, Jacob Geller says, hey, y'all. Uh, recently, hey, I was Jacob up in Geller. your lovely city and decided to brunch at one of my favorite places in Minneapolis, the Birchwood Cafe. I've been there four times, and every single time I've ordered the same thing, their, quote, savory waffle, which is about as beautiful a breakfast as I can imagine. Are there any other restaurants in other cities you feel an attachment to and or get the same order every single time? Okay, this is funny because I used to work at Birchwood. Are you serious? Yeah. What did you do there? I was just a server, yeah. Oh, or, that's awesome. I would do a little of everything, yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah. Huh. So this is kind of like strange. It, is the savory waffle the way to go? Yeah. Yeah, <sighs> it's really good. <laughs> I got to check this out. Yeah. Where is Birchwood Cafe? It's in Seward. Oh, so okay. So on 25th Street and like 31st-ish. Perfect. It's close to the river. Okay. Yeah, and the highway. So all the yeah. listeners in Australia, uh, head over to Seward yeah. Neighborhood. <laughs> Seward um, Neighborhood. That's so tricky. Yeah. yeah but it, like the thing of getting the same order every time, 
I, even if it's not in another town, but I will always do that yeah. with any restaurant I go to. I'm very yeah. stubborn. Like Chimborazo is one of my favorite restaurants in the cities, and I will just get Churrasco de Res every single time. Yeah, and I have a habit of doing that, and any time I try to get out of it and I get something new, it's like, well, this isn't as good as the thing that I yeah. always get. So yeah, exactly. Just stay in your rut, everybody. Quit experimenting. Yeah. Ruts are good. Do you have a weird guilt for ordering the same thing? Because I definitely mm-hmm. feel yeah. that, yeah. too, even though I do it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Remy Bach says, I'm currently playing through Witcher 3 and Dragon Ball Z Kakarot at the same time, and I came to realize I was using Kakarot as a more lighthearted break from the darker story of The Witcher. Do you guys ever find the need to have a lighthearted game on the side like that? What's the strangest combination of games you've swapped between? I don't know about like the lighthearted thing, but I do like having the weird duos. Like It is weird to play Kakarot at the same time as Chrono Trigger just to have the Toriyama mm-hmm. overload. Um, but I do like having like a serious, bigger story game. Even now, it's like genuinely I'm playing Kakarot for like the bigger RPG experience. And then it's like, ah, and then HyperDot's good when I have like 30 minutes and I just want to yeah. listen to podcasts and just blast through these levels, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I angrily put down Ninja Gaiden on Xbox and went and got Parappa the Rapper 2. It's just <laughs> what? I just want, I was so angry at Ninja Gaiden because it was so hard and I was like I just want something like fun and light and yeah. easy and like I beat Parappa the Rapper 2 in like one sitting and I was like, that's exactly <laughs> what I needed uh, I'm also playing which is weird uh, Journey of the Savage Planet which mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying oh, good. Uh, I like the game a lot but I'm also playing Metroid Prime at the same time which is weird because there's a lot of overlap there they both have like scanning and although Journey of the Savage Planet doesn't have a map so yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I would. I wish it did because mm-hmm. uh, I think it would put it even closer to Metroid. But it's like it's that it's that same deal of like you see something, you need an upgrade to get through it. Like so, I'm going I'm going through it on like two different tracks on two different games. In which uh, on games two different Alien worlds. Oh, Metroid Prime. Is that right? Yeah, uh, but I I like Journey of the Savage. Oh, good. Yeah. Have you, are you going to keep playing it, Jeff? On? Yeah, I want to. Right now, it's all Chrono Trigger. Whenever I get time to play games, but in a week that won't. That won't matter anymore. We've liberated so, Deepest yeah. Dive ends, yeah. Um, how is Metroid Prime overall, Kyle, going through it again? Um, I'm playing it with Wii motion controls because that's weird. Why not? Uh, but I think it holds up really well. Uh, like tone and, and like music and everything. Like some of the sort of uh, visuals are like that's about like the textures on certain like plants and stuff look okay. maybe like a little rough but in terms of like design yeah. like it it holds up great like if it it doesn't feel like an old game to me yeah know? for sure uh and I, I hope that that rumored port for switch comes out i would love to like play i'm playing it you know i'm streaming metroid prime i would love to play metroid prime 2 on the switch it's like how i would probably approach it yeah definitely yeah. um i saw alex hutchinson who's a creative director over there at uh, typhoon on Journey of the Savage Planet, he just had a very nice tweet where he said, uh, life highlight, watching my son laugh and play a game we made from absolutely nothing. It doesn't get much better. It's like a very nice, it was almost like my get a load of this. Like that's such a nice message. And especially mm-hmm. the part that kills me is the game we made from absolutely nothing. And maybe it's nice too now thinking of like min-max. Like it does feel good to just build something up that yeah. doesn't have to exist. Everything's optional, right? And they just <laughs> busted their ass and out of their way well, to make this new experience. Yeah, and also planet. for it to not be a sequel for him to like yeah. this series that has gone on forever. Yeah. Just... Especially coming off Assassin's Creed 3 and a Far Cry 4, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, it's a weird thing where I was listening to some other podcasts. I'm not going to point fingers. But some people that were just like, eh, kind of bashing Savage Planners, kind of giving it a meh. And I think that's totally fair. I'm not saying you need to kiss the game's ass because it's original IP from an indie developer, no longer indie, but they were at the time of making this game. 
But it's like, yeah, yeah, tip of the cap at least. Don't mm-hmm. change your perspective of the game, but it's worth noting like, oh, this feels like a special little thing the industry managed to create. So yeah. worth celebrating. Um, Muffin Crumbs. Okay. <laughs> says, hey, did you all play The Evil Within 2? I started it. There it is. Um, well, in it, there's a mini game where you have to shoot blocks of different colors to get a multiplier and earn as many points as possible. I don't think I've heard anyone talk about this mini game. Most importantly, I've never heard anyone talk about the line that Sebastian says after he fails to get a high enough score. Apparently, there's this mini game, which looks bizarre. You're like shooting out blocks, and when you fail it, the main character in the game references that Hercules meme, and he goes, Disappointed! <laughs> it's like such a weird okay. thing to put an evil thing, too. Anyways, it's scary, man. Yeah. No question. He says, when my fiance and I discovered it, we laughed so hard, and I thought for sure that it would become a meme from Evil Within 2. Kyle, I'm I sorry, do you want to kick something under the table? Anyways, yeah, that sounds good, Muffin Crumbs. Maybe we should go back to Evil Within 2 after all. Uh, yeah, Cyril reviewed that one. So. Oh, yeah, that's right. We'll he wasn't a fan. No, yeah, yeah. It was like seven was something. Uh, Eric Smith, when doing menu selections, do you guys prefer to use the analog stick or D-pad? Tough one, man. Tough one. I will, I'll usually swap it around, but prioritize the D-pad. When I'm going for efficiency, that's when you go D-pad. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't mind a little extra thumb yeah. movement. a little loosey-goosey. That's fine. Uh, we had a, a uh, the, the analog stick can be problematic. One time we did a, a Call of Duty video at Game Informer, and as I was going through the menus, uh, I accidentally turned on like colorblind mode. And that was like, we didn't realize it because I was just scrolling through the menu and it just sort of like, it's just, you know, just enough of an angle where I actually yeah, yeah. turned it on. And so like we posted the video, it was like, you know, uh, just like, hey, here's some gameplay from New Call of Duty. And everyone was like, why are the colors so weird? Because it was like purples and stuff. Oh, no. I no idea. Always use a D-pad, everybody. Uh, yeah. Eric Smith says, uh, P.S., would you guys ever work with Tim Rogers from Kotaku? Yeah. He said some very nice things about the Rabbit Fire interviews, I think, at some point, right? Yeah, I DM with Tim a fair bit. Really? Yeah. He's, huh. uh, what? I don't know how, oh, because we both love Shadows of the Empire so dearly. Uh, but he, <laughs> but he's, uh, he's, uh, he's leaving Kotaku, and uh, some people tweeted us that, like, hey, we should have him on, so. Oh, oh, you do say that. Yeah. Would you ever work with him now that he's not at Kotaku? Yeah. 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 We so were open to it. I'll, you know. Jump into that long-form DM conversation we've been having about Shadows of the Empire. I'll get right. on here. That sounds good. Uh, King Prometheus says, Howdy, been in Friends. When was the last time you absolutely got absorbed into a game? Like the one more turn from Civ games it ended up going up, going into 4 a.m. in the morning. The last time you looked at the clock and were shocked. Um, I was playing Towerfall with friends mm. like a couple weeks ago. And, it, you know, it wasn't the first time I played. I've been playing it for a while, but... You know, when you just get into a zone and you're with friends and you're like, yeah, just exactly that. Looked at the clock. It was 3.30 a.m. We all (laughs) had stuff to do the next day. Oh, my God. But, you know, what can you do? What settings do you go for in Towerfall? Like, what's what are the modes, options in there? Okay. There are so many, like, modifiers, stuff to change in that, that um, I don't even know. Like, usually we just do, like, straightforward classic and do it based on kills, not on wins. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to remember. God, it's been so long since I played the game. I loved it so much. But the one I love is where you have limited ammo for the bows. Like it's just yep. one yeah. shot. And yeah. then if you shoot when you don't have an arrow in your in your bow, you die. Really? Which is 
I admit that's probably another option there, but yeah. I love that. Just like super limited ammo, yeah. super careful. You need to know exactly what you have because if you don't have it, you'll just annihilate yeah. yourself. You know, I should hit up the Discord because there are so many settings in that that yeah. I just don't even know the y- best ones. Yeah. For sure. We should do more streams of just couch co-op games. Yeah, it turns out they're really fun, yeah. Uh, let's see. We have Jeff Enright saying, in the gaming experiences you've had, what has brought you the best feeling experience? Broad question. It says, as an example, something I'll never forget is playing Guitar Hero 3 and successfully playing through the song Cliffs of Dover by Eric Johnson. It made me feel like I was actually playing the electric guitar. Do you guys have go-to? You can't say Sekiro anymore, Kyle. That's checked off the I'm list. You can't keep bragging about how you beat that game. Uh, I beat Limbo in under five deaths a couple times. Okay. That's pretty exciting. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, mine was The Witness because oh. it had that final, like, challenge that was actually timed so it was much more intense than anything else and you could it's not that game it's not like you could like look up the solution either because it was like randomized it was randomized every Mm. time yeah and it was it was a lot of trial and error and thinking like i'm this is just never going to happen and it's the last thing that i have to do in this game of like 700 puzzles or whatever (laughs) yeah when i actually miraculously pulled it off it was a huge achievement nice yeah nice uh, Daniel White, hey, I know this is dark and you all like to keep things positive at Max, but it's something I keep thinking about. Have you guys ever dealt with depression or anxiety? Being a games journalist must be really difficult while dealing with those issues. How do you cope? Do you have tips for getting it out of your head or for getting out of your head and being more social? Love the show. Thanks. Keep it up. Thanks for writing in, Daniel. Uh, yeah, I mean, I college was brutal for me. Uh, extremely anxious, really depressed. I was medicated for a while in college there. And I keep thinking about like, how did I kind of get out of that? By and large, I still think I'm pretty anxious, but depression has been better. Um, But I don't know. I think like my career really helped. And I know that's really tough advice, but I was thinking about like getting, I don't know, getting to work at a TV station early on as a video producer. And it was something I was so excited about. And also because of that, it like forced me to be more social. But it's like, okay, in order to practice my love of editing, I need to go out and film stuff. And to film stuff, I need to talk to strangers and film like these, you know, community events and stuff like that. And like somehow that was a nice motivator to kind of snap out of that zone a little bit. Mm. But, yeah, I jobs for social anxiety in general like working retail in yeah. high school helped me with that mm. um yeah getting laid off recently was probably the most like anxiety i've experienced in my life oh like, really period yeah and i think the thing the sort of short-term thing that helped me with that was just like just being busy like i did the stream to give myself a scheduled thing mm-hmm. i was just like cleaning a lot more around the house and stuff like just yeah not sitting like even games and tv and stuff were tough for me for that period there but like just finding things to to do that are like a little more physical and like work working out a little bit like help mm-hmm. help me you know i'm feeling better yeah. now uh, uh so now i'm being lazy again but uh yeah that's yeah. fair mm-hmm. so that 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 was helpful for me yeah it is time. just that way to kind of snap out of your own head which i know is the big challenge but i mean uh, a person once said, they've since been canceled, but a person once said, like, <laughs> it's hard to be sad when you're helping others. And I always think about that. And it's like, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. And I know when you're depressed, it's the last thing you want to do. But like, 
you want to just donate your time to charity. Like just that feeling of joy of like helping out with others and being on the same page, which I think is like a huge struggle when you're really depressed, or really anxious. It's just like, I just can't get on the same page with anybody else on planet earth. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a nice way just to have some sort of even a short term cause yeah. or goal working with other people towards a very dedicated thing, I think would really help. And also I say it a lot, but getting off the internet as much as you can, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. getting off of screens. And the other thing that I've found to be helpful is mindfulness, which sounds a lot like the book that you're reading. Yeah, you should read it. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Of just like, and it is, it is very much that getting out of your head and, and getting to a place where you're reminded once thoughts start coming in of just thinking of stuff in a non-judgmental way and kind of focusing on the people that you're with in that, you know, whatever you're doing and putting Mm -hmm. down devices and spending more time with real human beings helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's so tough. It's so tough to say, oh, just get out of your head about it. It's mm-hmm. impossible, yes. right? Yeah. And like, and mindfulness, which is something that people can look up or read books like that. It It is a very hard practice to get mm-hmm. into because the thoughts just keep on coming. And it's something that you literally have to retrain your brain uh, to deal with. Yeah. yeah. And I think sometimes it can be a waiting game, just being patient with yourself and mm-hmm. telling yourself, you know, it's okay that I'm going through this right now. Yeah. And it's not about immediately making things better, but about like practicing kindness to yourself mm-hmm. every day, you know? Yeah. 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 There's a, I think like Dan Harris, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he said at some point, which is an interesting idea that, when we hear our own internal monologue, we're the, it's the only voice that we don't get bored by. Like if we heard other people tell the same stories as much as we tell ourselves the mm-hmm. same stories about how crappy we are, we would lose our effing minds. And it's so weird that like somehow we're immune from that when it's yeah. just our minds telling ourselves the same negative thoughts over and over and over again. And it's like, just enough of this. Yeah. I'm so sick of hearing yeah. it. You're you do, always eager to hear it You again. don't think about that. And also like – one thing that I've had to come to realize is I'm a judgmental person a lot towards other things that are going on as well. Mm-hmm. And like just opening yourself up to that. You don't think that that will have a negative impact on you if you're thinking, you know, like, ah, oh, this is a piece of crap or this person's dumb or whatever. But like <laughs> you're putting yourself in a mindset where you're judging things and you you know, unconsciously, you're also judging yourself when you're doing those things. Like you're comparing yourself to everything else that you're judging. And that Mm -hmm. just gets exhaustive. If you can get to a point where you're, you're kind of going against those initial things and trying not to judge things like Mm -hmm. that helps with yourself too. Yeah, for sure. Tim Conlon says, greeting to an ers. I don't like that yet. Uh, What are some, what are some (laughs) times that the people at the table with you have made you laugh the hardest? My friends are pretty consistently funny, but there are always a few times that stick out when they've really gotten me. Also, welcome, Anna. That's nice. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Anna, when do we make you laugh the hardest? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Man, when you were talking about yeah. your town, Avon, earlier, yeah. that was slaying yeah. me. Anyway, sorry, I know this is a weird oh, one for no, you. but no worries. Uh, I think of, with Jeffum, I think it was we're at E3, at some point, and you just did this physical comedy bit that I have never considered you were capable of. We were like flailing and walking up the stairs and walking down the stairs, and it was like looking at some <laughs> silent film 
comedy genius. I don't remember that, but it was I, amazing. I've, I've heard rumors of this that you're like an amazing physical comedian. It was like Pratt really Falls on these stairs. I, I thought you were bringing up a different E3 thing where I I sat down on a sofa in a hotel lobby, but I fell out of it purposely and oh. like. Everyone laughed so hard that, like, the manager came out and he seemed, like, very upset <laughs> that, like, what were these shenanigans that people were doing in our Wait, in was my this lobby? more recent? Was it... No, this was the murder hotel uh, yes, where we okay. were. Yeah. Yes. I remember this. Yeah. Yes. Where we were <laughs> instructed not to go out. By, I think it was by the same hotel guy. He was like, yeah, don't go out at night. Just if you're going to go out, make sure you have someone else because, yeah, not a bad, not a good neighborhood. Oh, Thanks, GameStop budget. In. Yeah. <laughs> Do you um the one that I think of I, I maybe you'll remember it when I start explaining it it was it was there wasn't that many people in the office yeah this was at Game Informer I hadn't been there I hadn't been there very long at that point and you were editing something and you just asked out loud something along the lines of like what is that what's that thing on a bike called like, I said I said yeah, I said Kyle the hub of a bicycle tire yeah and that was it like and then did I respond do you remember. Yeah, I think so. Okay, I think I said I was like I wasn't sure, and then just like you, you didn't acknowledge me responding to you, uh-huh. and there was like, I swear, probably like five minutes of silence, and you had just gotten on the ground and like solid snake crawled all the way across <laughs> the office under my desk and like grabbed my leg. I like I have no idea what the like punchline was or what the goal was, <laughs> the but line. I laughed so hard because it was just I did not understand yeah. what was happening at all. Do you remember? You remember yes, this? Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. That also made me laugh a lot because because what's funny to me, and this is a very stupid way of looking at comedy, but I think about it all the time. Is what's funny to me is not doing that. It's the idea of okay. Somebody starts to ask the question, what's the hub of a bicycle tire called? And then they just disappear. <laughs> so that was the idea. Is like I started to ask this and realized it was a stupid thing to ask. So then I just decided to go on the ground and crawl and hide for a while before I think yeah, that was the thing. You were just like under my desk yeah. for like a really long period of time. <laughs> like It was almost thing. like you had been embarrassed about the question you asked. Right. And then, I don't know, it just like – I was hysterical laughing. It was just like, because I had no idea what was happening. You are very good at setting up situations where someone walks in on you and you're like doing something purposely trying to upset them or freak them out. (laughs) Yeah, that's really my specialty. You mean like just waiting for you to come down the stairs and jumping out to scare you, which I think we did like last week or something? No, it it was something else. What is this? I'm not going to say it because it was... (laughs) Wait, where I set something up to scare somebody? It was obscene. Oh. <laughs> Wait, what is this? You're, you're good at. You We're, caught me on the stairs. <laughs> okay. All right, that's inappropriate. Yeah. Or, you yes. <laughs> or, or the time when I came in to do Minfax yeah. uh, upstairs. You're very good at those kind of situational <laughs> comedy. <laughs> I'm truly I'm like I should drop my coffee cup. I'm realizing all these instances where it's the same joke with Jeff over yeah. and over again. Um, I was thinking right. of one recently. It's It's kind of in this vein where – when I was with Jeff Cork in Japan on the Monster Hunter World Iceborne cover story trip, it was so absurd where we finally landed, finally got to our hotel. He ran to the bathroom right away and I noticed like, oh, there's a very dumb little white robe on the bed. And so like quickly like took off all my clothes <laughs> and put the robe on and then like just sat in the bed <laughs> looking at Cork, waiting for him to get out of the bathroom. And I was like, this is taking a while. Why is he taking so long in this bathroom? Then like a minute later, Cork comes out of the bathroom 
wearing the same robe that he was also in the bathroom. We both wanted to do that joke. I'm just like, what if we just Ooh. really got into these robes? That's very good. It was very good. All right. Bob Buell says, hey, is there a retro game you absolutely love but believe is lost to the... Annals. Annals of time. For me, Fantasy Star 4 is that game. While every retro Final Fantasy game is still lauded for different reasons, the only thing mentioned when it's Sega's counterpart comes up in these conversations is either Fantasy Star 2 or online. I don't think I've ever heard Fantasy Star 4 mentioned on any podcast. Didn't we just mention it earlier on this podcast? There we go. Um, so what is that game for you that is lost to time, that never gets mentioned? What was that game you were said was your fifth favorite Super Nintendo game of all time? Evo yeah. Search for Evo. <laughs> that was a good answer. It's definitely lost to time. Um, we we're actually we we're talking about it uh, on, a, on a break. We we're talking about the Satellaview games. Oh, like literally lost to time. Yeah, yeah, like the Super Nintendo Online Japan only. Like you could create an your own avatar and play Link to the Past. Well, with, they made like, like a avatar. sequel to Link to the Past for it. Yeah. But not not in like a, a between two worlds sense, but just like tweaking Link to yeah. the Past a little bit. But yeah, there's like the weird stuff, like music cues and everything like that. Like I don't, there's no way to see that stuff now. You know? Yeah. Uh, mine, which I forgot about, but I finally remembered, uh, was a game called I think it was Onyx O N Y X, which was a Macintosh game, which I had played at a friend's house. But it it was kind of like Marble Madness, where you're controlling yeah. a marble around these areas with the mouse but it was it was just a very bizarre kind of puzzly game but the other thing about it was that it had it was like shareware but the the it was supposed to come with an instruction manual and the instruction manual would give you like passwords to figure out how to like get past you know like once you got to level 10 or whatever there'd be blocks that would have different you know numbers and letter combinations on them and you need you needed to have the instruction manual to get through it and so when we were at GI I was thinking that would be like an interesting weird game to do a feature on yeah. and so I I found an emulated version of it but then I also had to figure out where to find like a someone had scanned the copy of the instruction booklet that had all these passwords on it but it was a and then I never got to do it because we got fired. <laughs> <laughs> so the feature didn't happen. But it, it is a it was a very super weird and even when I was trying to Google it, like it was very hard to find information on this game. Yeah. But, I love those types of games. Like I was thinking about with this question, this game called Jungle Hunt, which I really loved playing on the Apple II. It was one of my favorite games as a kid. And then growing up it's like, oh wait, was it just like a pitfall ripoff? Because it's pretty close <laughs> to pitfall. But looking at it, like they both came out in nineteen eighty two. And so I don't think it's a pitfall ripoff. It seems like an original thing where they were trying to rip off Tarzan. Mm. Well, how, he, like, how far apart in 1982? Was it a few months? Yeah, I months? guess they made games like in, what, two weeks back I then? Mean, they, they could make them a lot faster. It still could have been, yeah. yeah I don't but, know. I mean, interesting nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was very good. I think they originally released it as like Jungle King, but then I guess they got sued by the, the Jungle King. By the Jungle King. <laughs> this is slander. <laughs> I never swung from the vine that way. Uh, no, because I guess it was like a Tarzan thing. But it's cool. You get to like swim underwater and stab sharks and stuff. I just played it actually, the arcade version a couple of years ago and still really like it. But. I played this version of Oregon Trail, but it was Amazon River. Yeah. And yeah, I haven't been able to find anything on it since. I've kept, because I never played Oregon Trail, but I played the Amazon River version yeah. of Oregon Trail. Yeah. It was still made Trail. by Mac. 
Mac, like the same company that made Oregon Trail. They okay. had like some weird spinoffs. I never played the Amazon version. Is it <laughs> fun? Did, did it yeah, look it is different? fun. Yeah, I mean, it looks completely different because okay. you're. It's completely. I mean, so it's a computer game, and it's not like it's more sophisticated than Oregon Trail, but it's the oh, same really? premise. Yeah. Hmm. So it's like better graphics, like '90s computer graphics. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you fish instead of hunt, and you, yeah, it's like. Imagine if every mechanic in Oregon Trail was reimagined mm. to be mm. on like a canoe going down yeah. the river. Yeah, I want to play that at some point. That'd be yeah, fun. It's fun. Uh, Taylor Reinch, he says, Benny and the Boo Boos. No. Uh, <laughs> over the last several years, I've found that I have less and less time for games that I tend to bound bounce off of most new games that I play. Sorry, I'm botching these. My question is, are there any <laughs> hobbies that you grew up being really into that you've had to put aside as you become an adult with more responsibilities? If so, what have you done, if anything, to keep up with them, even though you don't actively participate in them anymore? Thanks and keep up the good work. I have to jump up to the $20 tier on Patreon for at least one month to talk to you guys for MinFax. $5 a month for all the great content you put out, and the audio exclusive feed is a steal. Thank you for the plug, you Taylor. You wrote that last I part. I promise I did not. I did not. But yeah, the end of February, if you want to talk to us, uh, we'll have another call-in episode of MinFax for $20 supporters. Anyways, uh, hobbies that you had to put away. Kyle, drumming? Yeah. Is that the Music. obvious go-to? Yeah, I... Yeah, I played a lot of music in high school and early college was in a band and all that stuff. Uh, and then, like, you know, as you move out and, like, you have apartments and stuff, like, you can't – I can't put drums in there. Um, Wait, you have a drum set in your house. Yeah. I mean, that was one of – like, one of the reasons I want to buy a house, you know, other than, like, the having a place to raise my child and all that. Like, I wanted – You have a kid? <laughs> I wanted a location where I could set up my drums. Um, so – and that – it I don't play them as much as I'd like. But yeah. I look at them and it just makes me happy that I have a space for them. So, yeah, music would be my big one, playing drums specifically. Yeah, so. for sure. Uh, Chris Bartlett says, hey, a cashier at a Circle K commented on my MinMax t-shirt, and I got really excited. And I was like, you listen to MinMax too? Then he got really quiet for like 30 seconds while I was paying, and he said, I've just played too much Final Fantasy to not know what MinMax is all about. <laughs> okay. I hurriedly tried to explain to him what MinMax 2 ends was while well, my family tried to usher me out the door, but I'm pretty sure he just thought I was a nut. I tried the end. Hey, thanks, Chris. We appreciate it. Yeah. It's like... One time when I went to that coffee shop and I was wearing the Double Fine Adventure t-shirt and I walk in there and he's like, hey man, love the shirt. And I was like, oh, are you a backer? And he's like, a what? Are you a backer of the Kickstarter? He's like, no man, I just love adventure as a concept. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. That's impossible. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, nothing wrong with an adventure. I mean, who's anti-adventure? Um, also, in terms of that uh, t-shirt, Chris, uh, new merch is going to be coming to the store soon. Um so was the cashier just a fan of min-maxing? Yeah. Just aware <laughs> of the that's... concept of min-maxing. And so they're like, hey, nice that's... shirt is a T-shirt promoting min-maxing. It's an even weirder thing to get excited about <laughs> yeah. and point out hey, in man, a podcast. You go to Circle yeah. K and try and figure that min-maxing. out. Min-maxing. Uh, Tom Blackburn <laughs> says, what genres are popular in movies but non-existent in games? For me, I'd love to see a political thriller video game. Mm. Does, do any exist? Political thrillers? The Mission Impossible games. <laughs> that Mission Impossible game in 64 yeah with the impossible second yeah. level <sighs> I wish a politician would have gotten involved to stop the release <laughs> of Mission Impossible on N64 I mean I'm sure there's some indie game example right but yeah. I can't think of political thriller I know like a narrative adventure game that maybe could be classified as a political thriller uh, okay Um, it's called American Election I think and it's on itch oh okay but yeah, I don't even know if that would count, though. It's more of like a story. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. Uh, romantic comedies, 
Oh yeah, pretty few and far between. Even something yeah. like Florence, not really a comedy, uh, you know. Which is coming to Switch and PS4 soon. Oh, that'll be cool. Yeah. I think on PC too. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking like, like I kind of like horror comedies almost, like like mm. a like a like Shaun of the Dead, like Shaun of the Dead or something like, like yeah, that'd yeah. be fun. Which yeah. that might. I know there's like comedy comedic zombie games, yeah. but like Shaun of the Dead, which was the example that I was thinking of, like toes, you know, goes. In that middle line, so well, where there are genuinely scary moments, well, there are, like, like Ghostbusters. I mean, you know, isn't like, Dead Rising exactly what you're talking about? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess I never find it scary, though. But I, I suppose that's close, right? Yeah, like that's yeah. kind of what they're going for, where it is like moments of intensity, but then you're like dressed as a clown or whatever. Right. So, yeah. God, I'm the romantic comedy thing is killing me. I mean, I think of Grim Fandango. There's um, I mean, some dating sims could possibly fall into yeah. that. Yeah. So like. Dream Daddy, right. possibly. Yeah, you're it's right. like very rom-com-esque, you're right. I would say. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Eric Seal says, as kids, what did you want to be when you grew up? How much work would you need to put in to make, your, to make that your career path today? <laughs> in sixth grade, I wanted to be a, quote, Star Wars idea giver. <laughs> but That's with how title. big the franchise is now, it'd be at my depth. No, never give up. You can still That's be right. a Star Wars idea giver. I mean, it's not that uh, the the sort of expansion of that universe actually makes it uh, more possibilities. Maybe you could, you know, write a comic yeah. or work on a game. Yeah, or, Eric, they'll give you, you know? a Disney Plus show. Yeah. Wow, but right he now. he specifically wants to be a Star Wars idea giver. Oh, he is, just wants yeah. stuff. Like he just wants to be like, you should do an Obi Wan show. Yeah, and then right. call it a day, which is, <laughs> which is a little <laughs> that tougher. Sounds like well, a great I job. Guess, yeah. <laughs> if he has a Twitter account, then. He can do that. That's right. You should remake The Last Jedi. Whether people will <laughs> listen. <laughs> uh, I wanted to be... Uh, we're all dumb as kids, right? Um, I wanted to be a crayon maker. I remember that was my first thing. Because I think I watched, like, I love drawing and coloring. And I watched a Mr. Rogers episode where they said, like, here's how you make crayons. And I was like, that's that's you my You can go to path. the mall now and make that a reality. That, yeah. Excuse me? The Crayola experience. Yeah. What? Yeah. I can make crayons? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is the experience like? You make crayons. Would you like melt down wax? What is this? Yeah, I, yeah. I think so. Oh, weird. All right. I got to do it. Go do it. Uh, my other one was when I got a little bit older, which I don't think made sense because I was a pretty shy kid, but I was like, I would love to be on Mad TV. <laughs> like, forget SNL. I didn't, even, I didn't even watch SNL. Yeah, but it was like, <laughs> oh, man, to be up on the, on the big stage with the bright lights with Will Sasso. Wait, so... More Mad TV than SNL? Oh, 1,000 times yes. I can't defend it, but as a kid, yeah, uh. I would watch Mad TV and not really watch so SNL. So you're excited to see um, the woman that played Seer in Star Wars? Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah, what's her name? I can't remember. Yeah. She's very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I forget. But yeah, but There's I mean, no way obviously knowing, unfortunately. very excited Phil Lamar when he was in Metal Gear Solid 2. As and Vamp. literally everything else. <laughs> That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to be an animator up until like middle school. Middle school, really? Yeah, which is funny because I was never a great artist. My brother's a great artist, but I was never great at drawing. But, like, I loved watching, like, Disney animators work. And I was like, I want to do that. Yeah. But, I, yeah, it was, like, around seventh, eighth grade that I was like, oh, wait, I don't really like drawing that much. Like, I don't think this is going to work. <laughs> uh, brother, can you just smuggle me some drawings <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, I guess right. I'll animate them? I think you just wanted to watch more animated I, films. Yeah, yeah, wait, hold on. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's completely different. Jeff, I'm, I wanted to be a pratfall comedian. So. <laughs> <laughs> Dream's still alive in there. Anna, anything? Um, I wanted to be like a 
one of the trainers at SeaWorld because I grew up in South Florida. Ooh, okay. And so, you know, now, you know, we can't really defend them. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's a cool – Is that yeah, an occupation yeah. that's been – Cancel. Well, they well, like the dolphin well, trainers and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There aren't any point, right? killer whales left at okay, SeaWorld. Okay. And I think SeaWorld's phasing out that entire program. Mm. Yeah. Oh, good for them. Just to reconnect everything in this episode, I saw my first dolphin show a couple years ago. What'd you think? I was crying. Like, it <laughs> Were genuinely... you in the splash zone? Oh, that's what it was. I put others in the splash zone because of my tears. No, but like it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Like those trainers were so good. And then what kills me is they literally blasted the hook soundtrack, oh, which well, I have such a sauce on my heart. Then while they started these, playing like, the Donkey Kong Country 2 soundtrack. I couldn't tell the difference. Yeah, while these dolphins were jumping around doing the cool things and the yeah. trainers are like the coolest people I've ever seen in my life. It was beautiful. You told a story once about going on a helicopter tour and then playing the Jurassic Park theme. Yes, not only that. that. Was, yes. So that's, all, that's what it takes for you is get some Spielberg music in there. It's true. Yeah, I went on a vacation with my rich friend and his family in ninth grade and I don't even think – I don't even know this was a thing. But somehow we got in a helicopter that went on a tour of the Grand Canyon. And so like being in a helicopter, flying through the Grand Canyon and we have headphones on and they blast the Jurassic Park soundtrack. I was like – that's good limit. I tried to jump out of the helicopter because I thought it can't get better than this. <laughs> but life found a way and you're still here. Right, because yeah. of dolphins and the hook soundtrack. Yeah. Um, Chris Lopez says, have you ever made a suggestion or comment during a game preview that the developers acknowledged was a good idea and later put it into the game? Do you, do you know of any stories like this happening? I think that happens a decent amount. It's mm. tough to know what's actually a good idea mm. versus just trying to kiss press ass a little bit and have like a wink and a nod to something that somebody from the press would recommend but because it's always that thing of like okay the press sees a game they see it for 30 minutes and say oh have you ever thought about doing this and the developer says oh good idea it's like me all the developers have been busting their ass for three yeah. years like they probably <laughs> oh, thought thanks. of that yeah, at some point idea. right yeah. um yeah i think of like on the saints row three cover story trip back in the day um they said that they had an idea for a weapon that they cut, which was the fart in a jar. And like, it just didn't make sense because it's like a jar and you can't see the farts. So like, how is that even a grenade type? Doesn't make any sense. And then, yeah, Dan Riker in particular made was it his like, mission. Yeah, so like, you guys got to put that back in the game. And then it, it was in the game. They did it. But then there was also on that trip. That was a weird one because I remember there, we, during the demo, they were showing us this new animation of how you can just run up and punch anybody in the game in the nuts. There's like a set animation for that. And it really tickled us, as you can imagine. And so at some point, it was discussed, and it was like, I think I said something along the lines of, like, that's all you need to show about the game, is just, like, show a second of someone getting punched in the nuts, just like a random NPC on the street, and that'll sell the game. Um, and then they started joking around, this is THQ back in the day, you know, they're like, oh, we should make a trailer that's just that, like, as a joke. Yeah. And, you know, it's confusing. I I don't think it was 100% me, but like it was definitely at this table. It's like, no, seriously, you need to do this. You need to release that trailer. And so that was the reveal trailer for Saints Row 3. I remember it. It was like the big build up, build up, and then just like the quick nut punch, then moving on. Yeah, it was funny. It was a classier uh, era. Remember we when we went to do the History of Pokemon feature, you suggested they make a Pokemon game that had was more open and had an open area that <laughs> you could explore. True. That so, is true. Yeah. That was you. You take credit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I screamed at them and said, play field. Breath of the Wild more, you idiots. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we also said they should release it on Switch, I think. Or it hadn't <laughs> yeah. been announced at that point. Does they that said they were work? making the game on okay. Switch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick, Jeff, there must have been something that you recommended to a developer at some point. Uh, there, I mean, it, it wasn't an improvement, but when I was at, uh, when we went to Gearbox, 
I I guess there was a random conversation where I was saying how much I hate people who spell Jeff G E O F F, and then in a later preview for Battleborn because I think we were there for Battleborn. Yeah. But the producer said, "Hey, we added an enemy boss who's it was a spider, but his name was Jeff, spelled the stupid way." <laughs> and is that flattering like, or pandering? It was. Oh, that was totally pandering. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Did but, you enjoy it? Did you like it? Well, I wish I had enjoyed the game. But, <laughs> so sure. that okay. kind of brought it down. Yeah. If if it was a game that I super liked, I guess I would have been like, hey, I remember that. Yeah. Well, actually, I guess I still do remember it. So Yeah, it works. It worked. Nick DeFeo is wondering if we share birthdays with any celebrities. Uh, Nick DeFeo says, I'm both blessed and cursed to have the same birthday as Bungie Day. Interesting. I didn't know this because my birthday is April 15th, which is no good. It's like I think when – Lincoln was assassinated and the Titanic sank. It's just like a, a downer day. But apparently birthday-wise, I share my birthday with Emma Watson and Leonardo da Vinci. Mm. And I don't know who a greater genius is. Yeah, it's really neck and neck. So you were born the day Lincoln was assassinated. Yeah, I crawled that's, out of his that's skull. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. And I was born the that's day origin story. that JFK was assassinated. Yeah. Just another coincidence. Freak out! Oh! Do you guys have any special birthdays? Uh, mine's Festivus, as established by Seinfeld. What is that day? December 23rd. Is it 23rd? The okay. Festivus for the rest of us. That's nice. Uh, Annette was born on September 11th, which was... Uh, Annette Gonzalez? Which, yeah, which ruins that for you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, ruins 9-11 for you? Yeah, that's getting ruined. Anyway, no, ruins your birthday. <laughs> okay, got it. Uh, Joe Halaska says, what is your cutoff for nostalgia? I was playing Dragon Ball Z Kakarot and realized that Dragon Ball Z, which I watched in 7th and 8th grade through early high, high school, is the last thing I consider nostalgic for me. Is that roughly the same time period stuff was cut off for you in terms of nostalgia? Is 7th and 8th grade? No. Uh, no. I think no. I, we established last week's episode, I'm nostalgic over like 2013, and like the reveal of yeah. the PS4. But yeah. I don't know. Do you have a cutoff? Is it 7th, 8th grade later? Um, I mean, more and more. It, sometimes it can depend on the media. Like, I'm especially nostalgic for music. Um, so, I don't know. With games, I mean, I could probably be nostalgic for Wind Waker, maybe. But yeah. even that's – I was pretty young when I played that. So. Yeah, for sure. It was like 2003 yeah. when it came out. So, yeah. I mean, you were in eight? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, was- <laughs> I mean, Don't I, do that math. Nostalgia to me is just like a memory of like a, a specific period of your life. So like music from high school, you know, elicits certain emotions. I mean, even playing games that like playing Portal 2 is like nostalgic for me because I have a lot of great memories of playing Portal 2, you mm. know. So I don't I don't think there is a cutoff really. Yeah. I think the further you get away from it, like everything becomes nostalgia again at some yeah. point, you know. Yeah. Well, there has to be a cutoff. I mean, you're not nostalgic over things from two years ago, are you? Um. I suppose not. No, maybe. but he will be in ten more years. Okay, in, so there is a window. Yeah, in like, I guess, yeah. in ten years, you're gonna do something, and you'll be like, "Oh, we did this at Game Informer," and mm-hmm. you're gonna get all yeah. windy about it. I mean, yeah, I'm even thinking like two years. Like, I, I don't. When did Into the Spider Verse come out? 2018. Like that's one that's like, yeah, like I like I adored know. that movie, and even like now, even like a few years separated from it. Like I see it on Netflix, and I'll start it up and be like, oh, this is so good. I think it you know came what out I mean? last but, year. But I don't know if that's really like, that early last year. Though? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, is that just a is that nostalgia? Or is that just like I just really you like just that like movie? A thing. <laughs> yeah, just like yeah. yeah. Dude, We're all gonna be movie. nostalgic about Baby Yoda. Yeah. Well, my favorite thing is there are a lot of people my age 
nostalgic about the 80s, which we never lived through because right. of Stranger Things. Mm. And I, <laughs> I I don't know how that works, yeah. but it's yeah. definitely there. Like, Yeah, um, it's just that soundtrack. They're nostalgic that's the opposite for, of that. <laughs> they're nostalgic for when they watch Stranger Things in their youth. Like, that's the I, idea? I, I guess it's kind of like us watching um, Happy Days, sort of, right? It's like yeah. I didn't live through the 50s, but it's kind of... Yeah, is that nostalgia? What is yeah, it? Or is that just like it's, just like looking back at a different time period? Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, speaking of nostalgia, Ian T. Clark says, Hello, my retro game-loving cohorts. Yes. Back when I was a young lad, there were no shortages of NES games based on a movie or television license. Many of these games were very bad, but they were all that was available at the local rental store, so you had to play them anyway. And dog darn it, they were... <laughs> Dog darn it? <laughs> and dog darn it, you were grateful, right. Ian says. One of the better games that come to mind for me is Willow, the game based on the 1988 high fantasy movie directed by Ron Howard starring Warwick Davis and Val Kilmer. Capcom developed the game and it was a straight up Legend of Zelda clone. Sadly, I'd never beat the game because it was too hard and I couldn't afford those 900 call-in tip lines. Hmm. Did any of you play Willow as a kid? Jeff, um, you're old like me. Surely you at least saw the movie. I saw the movie for sure. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> I love Willow. Willow was one of my favorite movies growing up, even though it was terrifying. It's funny moments that dragon at the end is, is too much. You ever seen Willow? Sounds familiar. <laughs> I think okay. it might have been there's like a group of movies that my parents forced me to watch mm-hmm. as a kid, like specific <laughs> sci-fi and hero stuff. Yeah. Um, and it might have been part Willow's of Willow's in that batch? That's I don't fun. Know. I think it's on Disney Plus now. <clears throat> maybe, oh, yeah? Maybe you'll watch it tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I watched it for the first time like a year ago. I'd never seen it. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny because I also watched it a year ago because it was bizarre, but I was dating this person and they were like, oh, I played the... Uh, I guess we had an NES back in the house, but I only really played Willow. Like, it was the only <laughs> NES game that I had. I was like, what? Like, I didn't even know there was a Willow video game, but then went back and watched that movie again, too. And it was so weird watching that movie, speaking of nostalgia. It's like, oh, my God. I forgot about so many things. I forgot about the, the character Sorsha. It's like, I was so into her as a kid, and I completely forgot about what a badass she is. Yeah. It was amazing. Uh, that Willow game, by the way, like, we played it on an episode of Replay, Game Former. Oh, yeah. Just kind of on a whim, like, expecting crap. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, if you go back and watch that episode, it's very much of us being like, this is really cool. Like, this is impressive. <laughs> yeah. You know? Also, they made an arcade game, and that game's also not bad. Okay. Yeah. You know, I actually, on my, our, like, sort of bonus list of, like, games I played a lot for Super Nintendo that I have nostalgia for, one on, that was on my list was, um, that wouldn't have made my top five, but it is Aladdin for Super Nintendo. Mm. Like, it's a solid Capcom platformer. Is yeah, that- for sure. Also on Sega Genesis? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that was the, yeah, there were two very different versions. Okay. The Genesis yeah. one I, has like the amazing animation. Yeah, because yeah. I played it on the Genesis like yeah. last year. I was like, oh, oh, wow. This is yeah. so impressive. It looks great. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. Super Nintendo version, I mean, I, don't, it's, I think maybe is like a little bit cleaner of a platformer. Like it's like it's a Capcom platformer. So I think jumping is a little more fun. But like you can't deny that the Genesis version just looks so much better. It looks like the film, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, Canadian says during the holidays my good friends did a thing where one person leaves then those remaining in the room have to discuss and decide the best attribute of that person once deliberations are over the subject tries to guess what the group decided then the group reveals their answer what are the best attributes of the mid-max crew sorry Anna, I know this is tough for you again but... <laughs> All right, Jeff, um, do you want to leave the room and we're going to talk about your best attribute oh, and then you're going to try and guess? And no jokes. You can't say Pratt Falls. You can't say your your stunning right. good looks. Right. Okay, great. Okay, you guys have got to figure out. <laughs> we got to figure out Jeff's best attributes. 
Uh, I think I know where I want. Sense of humor? Should I whisper more? So, um, good whisper. I just met him. Yeah, what do you think it is? You're getting a fresh take on Jeff's mm-hmm. sensibilities. A live reaction. <laughs> <laughs> Min Max so reacts. Um, Min Max reacts to Jeff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, those, are so, those, those are some of the videos that do so the best job. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. Um, you know what? What, oh, do you have something? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> what, 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 <laughs> Sorry. Please Sorry. relay me here. Oh. I was thinking like, uh, he's a straight shooter. He's got a level head, you yeah. know? Yeah, I like can he, see that. He calls them yeah. like he sees them. No drama. Yeah. So what's the, what's that attribute called? Straight shooting? I think it's straight straight shooting. Straight to. You got it. Sh- straight to. All right, <laughs> uh, Jeff, um, you want to come back in? Oh, he left. <laughs> he's, he's gone. He's getting bubbly water. I think he's making his own bubbly water. <laughs> Should I text him? Yeah, we'll wait for him to come back. Oh, hang on. Jeff is back. Jeff oh. is back. Jeff is back. Oh, he's back. He made it. All right. He's been thinking for a long time about exactly what his best attribute is. And oh. we have our answer, but we want you, you to give yours first. You're, he'll probably get it. <laughs> it is. I super had to pee, which is why. I, yeah, I we, just, we figured it out. Your best attribute oh, is your bladder. Uh, my sense of humor. We actually, we're not too crazy about that. No. Fair enough. We think you could do a better <laughs> job. We're going with straight shooter. Straight shooting. Okay. okay. No drama. Honesty. Uh, I guess that's what it is. Just a good, solid perspective on anything. If you say something is a certain way, I trust that it it's is. that way. <laughs> Unless it's a joke. That's right. Unless you insist that your joke is funny. In that case, it is not. Uh, Sean Mills says, if wait, you- wait. Should we do one for cereal and when he gets back? Oh, yeah. Okay, Anna, what do you think of cereal? <laughs> <laughs> you can play board games he's, with them for really a little bit. He's really good at, um, what was the game called? Concept. Concept. Yeah, yeah. All right. Great. We got Very it. Very clear go. communicator. There, there it is. No, no, no honestly, remember. cereal, I, I mean, little sweetie. Sweetheart. Yeah, sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Right? Sweetheart. Number one. Yeah. Unless he's listening in that case. He's an SOB. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah, I forgot. He's going to probably listen to this. <laughs> yeah, this yeah, is all ruins it. Uh, Sean Mills says, if you could put any character from Chrono Trigger into Smash Brothers, who would you put in and what would their moves be? Hmm. It's Frog. Frog. Yeah. And so you got X-Striker in there, so you can have like a Chrono cameo. He's got the most unique like, moveset. Because your sort of instinct is to be like, oh, Chrono. But it's like, he's just another sword guy. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. Last yeah. thing you need. Although, Slurp. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. You could Grab eat. him with your tongue. He could be <laughs> a, 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 a shadow character for Yoshi. For some reason. Right, Don't right. ask too many questions. Are there any freak choices like Gato from the beginning, like the singing robot thing? The king, Lean uh Marl's dad. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Shows my God. Just one of the I mean, not to spoil anything, but some of the end bosses get crazy. Just like one of the oh, craziest okay. like end boss form. Just you has know? Lavos in there. Yeah, just character. one of Lavos's weird forms. <laughs> Uh, Evan McHugh uh, says, hey, do y'all listen to the Game Informer show still? What do you think of Andy as the host? I love this question. This is very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I do actually listen to it every week. I was thinking that I wouldn't. I was thinking like, ah, I think I'm going to be too close to it. Just like the same way that I'd be hesitant to listen every time I go on vacation at Game Informer. It's like, I don't want to listen to another host. It's going to feel so unnatural. But it turns out I like listening to it then and I like listening to it now. So yeah, I listen to it right away right when it comes out. And I think Andy's a fun host. I think he's He's grown a lot, and he's not quite as self-deprecating. Still a little bit, mm. uh, but he doesn't do as much. Like, I am. this show's too long. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> Again, he still does it a little bit. <laughs> he but, can't uh, immediately. He can't fully leave it behind. Yeah, I'm less emotional about it than I was expecting, okay. I think. Yeah. yeah. And judging from your silence. Well, you I, know. 
<laughs> I was eager to listen to Andy host, but I, yeah. I I did find it surprisingly hard. Oh really? Like and not 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 because of anyone of Andy's fault right, or anything. Right, it's right. just it's hard to be so involved in it. Like I like where you were like, oh, I, I am going to be too close to it. Like yeah. you felt like you're not. I thought I wasn't going to be, and then found that I was. Right. Um, so I, I I check in periodically, but it's not like a, a regular thing. Yeah. So sure. Um, let's see. Phil S says, "What is the last couch co-op game you finished with someone? No online co-op, and you have to have reached the end credits." For me, it was Man of Medan. Oh, uh, I think yeah, probably. I guess a, that would be mine too. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I play a lot of games with friends, but like even co-op stuff. Like we played through Perfect Dark not too long ago and stuff. But like I think a way out. That was just 2018, right? So yeah, probably a way out for like all the way through a co-op game. Well, because. Yeah, I, I was going to say Portal 2 with my wife because mm. that was like a big deal. Like we really but got into that That was the last one you played? Well, that's what I thought. But then but then we play so many things just together but that aren't really co-op. Like right. we're playing through Life is Strange right now. We played through yeah. uh, After Party and Man of Medan. But we didn't both have a controller in our right, hand. So right. like is that – is that? but if you mean we both Does had a controller count. in our hand and we yeah. were both working together, probably Portal 2. I played through Piku Niku with – um, my boyfriend, and oh, that was yeah. fun. Yeah, which one was that again? I don't remember. It's like, cutesy, but yeah, it's I don't know. It's kind of like a weird physics platforming game, and it just has all these neat little it's um, like big variants. giant legs. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it's very clumsy and awkward. It's a it's a funny game. Okay. Um, and it just plays on like these big squiggly goofy characters, and it's pretty fun. Yeah. 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 Oh, nice. Uh, mine was Unravel Two. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, 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 that I was, loved it. I. I ended up liking that a lot more than I probably should have because it was <laughs> you just pretty, like your wife. It was pretty straightforward as a you're allowed to like it as much as, as you a like, platformer. You know? you know, like it didn't do that much that was different, but the I guess the co-op changes it a lot. But it, my wife doesn't play a lot of video games, and we don't play a lot of video games together. And it mm-hmm. was they add enough like helping, you know, like aids where. You, you, she di- she didn't have to go through all the hard ones. You just kind of like jump on the other person's back, and it was yeah, just yeah. a very cute and fun time together. Sweet. Uh, Johnny C says, hey, fellas, I have two comments and a question. First, the mouse game Kyle was thinking of around the PlayStation 4 launch is called Tiny Brains. That's right. Yes. From what I remember, it's not great. Did somebody else also, tweet, tweet that at you? <laughs> no, or? I figured I – fa- I went down the Google rabbit hole and figured it out afterward. And wow. uh, it was really unsatisfying because it was not a long time. <laughs> Tiny uh, brain. So don't go back and play that one. No matter how much you want to. Please look forward to the next deepest dive on Tiny Brains. <laughs> uh, Taylor Owen says, will Star Citizen release this console generation? No. I think you can I cut off yes. this console generation off that But they've sentence. been so, I mean, maybe it's just. <laughs> they still know. <laughs> maybe still know. Don't yeah. you think that would be a cool move? I know you're kind of attaching yourself to something a little sketchy, but for Sony or Microsoft for their big like software unveiling for next gen to be like, and we have Star Citizen on the console. I could see one of them I, going for I, that. I just don't think it can be a pillar of marketing. I think it would be cool to like just. Like, I don't think it would be part of marketing the new consoles, but it would be like, it would be on the Star Citizen devs to announce that it's coming to PS4 or, or Xbox or whatever. Like, Sony and Microsoft aren't going to grab onto that and because be proud it's, of Because it's too it's just fabled. It's just like an unknowable. Like, it's yeah. just like, who, what is that game at this point? Well, there's you know? a single player campaign with every celebrity known to man in it. They recorded yeah. Mark Hamill's bit back in 2015 or whatever the hell. Um, Arthur says, all aboard. Hello, Conductor Ben and the MinMax crew. Thank you, Arthur. I love. <laughs> Sorry, the internet's funny. Arthur's 
I love when trains are in my games. <laughs> <laughs> They're a unique and dynamic setting with a clear structure that keeps you moving forward and they can turn what is technically a long corridor into a memorable experience. If I see a train in my game... <laughs> <laughs> if I see a train in my game, I know that the next station will be good times. <laughs> That's very good. Uh, what are your favorite trains in games? Okay, so I have a really strong feeling about this. Okay. Uh, oh. Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks. Okay. And both my favorite and my least favorite train are in that game. Is it – are there multiple trains or yeah, are you saying such a pain in the ass? there's like this ghost train that's like – purple and it chomps the tracks and it chases you okay and it's so it's scary <laughs> it's kind of like a like a it's like almost like a pac-man yeah right? it really kinda, stresses yeah. you out it's constantly looming oh my god yeah it made i mean it made for a really engrossing gameplay experience but also it was terrifying and then the, the good train is just like the main train yeah it's just like the main train like you can yeah. pull when you're commuting you can pull the um the whistle le- yeah you can send the whistle off and like there's nothing better than riding a train across Hyrule and going to to. One hundred percent. I would argue train. riding a horse across Hyrule might be a little more fun. <laughs> okay. but that's I, a whole I separate will, thing. Honestly, I will go to bat for this. Train. Really, Spirit Tracks. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Actually, okay. So much better than Phantom Hourglass. Oh wow! Yeah. I, I'll agree in, with you there. Mine, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The uh, I I loved the whistle and I always loved <laughs> timing it with the overworld theme because like Spirit Tracks. Say what you will about the game. The overworld theme, one of the best Zelda songs yes. ever written. Uh, yeah, I like that. It's a yeah. weak Zelda game, but a good. It, it, there's still a lot to like about that. Oh, game. for sure. But then I always I would always time the whistle where it's like and then go woo woo and like I had this whole rhythm time so every time I heard that part of the song I had to do that stupid whistle even in the middle of combat you're like oh like, put away the cannon get back to the train um, yeah it is, it is good it is a good video game concept I guess that's a good point like it's very clear level design keep mm. moving up like Sunset Riders has a great train yeah the Toy Story 3 video game has a great train obviously Shadows of the Empire ooh there we go yeah which started as a train game before it shifted into a Star Wars game oh really yeah it was gonna be like a western kind of deal hmm There's Uncharted a, Uncharted 2 mm. is the go to yeah. example more recently though doesn't get enough love maybe because it's spoilerish. but there's a train at the end of Lost Legacy which they basically go for that same trick again which is really mm. cool because I remember talking to Naughty Dog when I visit them for three different cover stories. Um, they would always talk about like their favorite thing that they've done. A lot of them would say uh, the train level from Uncharted Two. Remember, like Josh Sher specifically, That's the why writer they decided to put it at the front of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The in media res kind of like, well, we gotta go, we gotta show this. Well, up. yeah. Well, that was like the train falling is like yeah. where it starts and stuff. But yeah, um, but yeah. So it's interesting. They're like, oh, we loved it so much, we just did it again for Lost Legacy at the yeah. end there. But still, it it's works. cool. Yeah. There's a cool train boss in Star Fox sixty four. So oh, yeah, there we go. Crash. Red Dead 2. I actually got to the train part. Oh, nice. Are you... Oh, you playing it? No. Oh. That was before. <laughs> uh, but there's a duel on top of the on top of a train. Jeff, I'm going to New Orleans has me craving Red Dead 2 so badly again. I just want to walk through that town. So I want you to come over here so that I can play Red Dead 2 with you. Not gonna the the, <laughs> I gotta get back to it. The point. narrative here on I did get to that scene. Is, is yeah. Jeff um, says the Red Dead Redemption 2 is like one of his favorite games of all time? Well, I didn't put it on the list because of that. Because yeah. it's he a, hasn't it, finished I'm, it and yeah. we like to give him crap for it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. But how many, like, how many hours have you played? Uh, I. Probably like forty, but yeah, I, yeah. I just didn't yeah. do the. You know, seems like fair enough. Story. You can weigh in and say it's great, but you need to take it that. 
as you can say that it's great, you also need to take crap it's also, like, from us mm-hmm. saying that you don't you. know the full saga. I know, because I know. it gets better. I, gotta, I know, and yeah, it gets I better know. and better. I gotta, I gotta you get won't. back to it. You will never do it. I gotta, I gotta make time. We we should just do it as a deepest dive. No, because we just, already all played it, Jeffum. Yeah. Like, not that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> we can replay games. You, pl- you played Chrono Trigger. What are you talking about? 20 years ago. All right. In 20 years, <laughs> I'll finish it. All right. Thomas Hoster says, hey, Min Max, I thought of a game for you. What is the jump button on these random games? Mm. What is the jump button on Grand Theft Auto 4 for the 360? Uh, circle or B? It's oh, wait, wait, 360? Yes. Says? Okay, yeah. B. It is B, correct. Oh, what mm. is the jump button for Breath of the Wild on the Nintendo Switch? The um, northern button. Which is? Y. Uh, X. X. Yeah. It is X, yeah. yes. Uh, Halo, Combat Evolved on the Xbox. That hey. is A. There right. we go. Dragon Ball Fighters for PS4. Up on the D-pad? Correct. Up on the D-pad. Skyrim for the Xbox One. Why? Yes. Hey. Way to go. Pretty good, everybody. Wow. Uh, bonus question, Arma 3 on the PC. Space bar? <laughs> Trick question, no jump button, oh. just a step over button. <laughs> step Fair over enough. button? What is that? Uh, thank you, Thomas. Good game. Good game. Uh, hey, Did I haven't you... said this in a while. What do y'all like? For question of the week, oh, I am eight bit oh question of the gosh. week. I forgot about this. Yeah, um, can you read them all again? <laughs> you, uh, I now I remember why that. I got away from. This. I know it's I been like, a while. I like the uh, going dark depression anxiety question. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the hardest these people have made you laugh. I like uh, overlook game that are lost through time, and I like making Jeff him leave the room. But I'm like, wide open. Can, what was like the there was a like the second or third question I remember liking when I still had remembered in my head that we were going to. This is not helpful. Game. No, okay, never mind then. I, we'll oh, get better. It, we'll what, get better at this. We'll get better about this. I promise. Uh, was it why is Warcraft three refarted being a stale part? <laughs> uh, no, it was not it that one. Though I did like that one. <laughs> um, what do y'all like, Jeffum? Uh, I, I like Lost Game. I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Anna, do you have thoughts on this? I, I mean, I'm I'm late to the train on this one. All aboard! I, I so like the train one. I like the train one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and is, the quiz was fun too. Yeah, quiz is always fun. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to not always give it end, to you know? like a, a quiz or a game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like I like in terms of making the show better. That's what we're looking for, right? Yeah. I do like the idea of making Jeffum leave the room. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So mean. <laughs> uh, you're you... a jackass. Yeah, How's that for right. straight shooter? No, but it's also a positive thing, right? It's got it all. Yeah. It's dynamic. All right, let's do it. Let's do Can it. Can we live with it? Yeah. All right, Canadian, congratulations. Congrats. The first winner of the Woo. I Am 8-Bit question of the week. You are 8-Bit. Yes. Even though you have a number numerical one in your name. That is true. So I'm 8-Bit. We'll ship that out to you. That is the Mega Man X cartridge. Uh, what a sweet gift. And be sure to thank I Am 8-Bit on social media. Everybody, it's so sweet that they're supporting mm-hmm. Min Max in this way. Yeah. And that they're bringing back question of the week and actually shipping out these items, including, for the first time ever, even if you're overseas. All right. Which... They seem cool with, and so I am very happy to say we will ship around the world 
I am 8-Bit. We'll ship around the world <laughs> if it happens to land that way. But thank you so much, Canadian. I'll reach out and get uh, your contact info for all that fun stuff. Um, and now, I think it's time for Get a Load of This. Beautiful jingle. I'm Jeff not going to do the jingle that I didn't know was in there. All right. Uh, Anna, we won't make you go first. Okay. But Jeff, I'm, uh, for Get a Load of This, what do you got this week? Hey, get a load of this. Yeah. Uh, you know how last week we looked at what everyone, what every state's least <laughs> favorite state was? Yes. Well, it turns out that that guy, Matt Shirley, also did a map of every state's favorite other state. So it's which state okay. each state likes the most. Yes. Based on the 300,000 people or whatever he polled unscientifically. Yeah. Uh, but this one. Kind of interesting. Some of them flip. So, so some of them are the favorite and least favorite and most hated oh, list. Okay, okay. But uh, highlights include California and Alaska both love Hawaii for some reason. As does as uh, Hawaii though likes Nevada the most. Uh, All right. <laughs> everyone around Florida. Seems to also like Florida for some reason. Oh, weird! That's Florida hates Florida. Florida. Does that does that hold up? Does yeah, that, okay. that, yeah. Uh, Florida likes North Carolina the most, though. Epics there. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> let's see. The, the problem is they don't list the states. Like I, I have to go by outline yeah, of yeah. the state. Everyone around Colorado likes Colorado. Wait, is that right? No, everyone around Utah likes Utah. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. But the reason I brought this up, and it's very shameless, is North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, and Wisconsin all like Minnesota the best. Yeah. No one, no one particularly likes any of those states in return. <laughs> but Minnesota, the state that Minnesota likes the most is Canada. Yeah. Apparently, we all just said what? states. Screw states. We're we're going north, which is we why it's time for Minnesota to secede from the United States of America. <laughs> and this and is join the ultimate Canada. goal of Mid Max yes. to start the revolution uh, to get us over there to Canada. Get a load of that. <laughs> Love it, Anna. Uh, did you have one? Um. So. <laughs> Are you scrolling through Twitter yeah, furiously? I, 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 right. I, we can, we can, you can, you know, it's like ordering at a restaurant. Like you can go last if, if you yes. want. Yes, right? yes, yeah. that's right. Um, but mine's very quick, so hurry up. Okay. Uh, so this is a tweet from uh, someone named uh, Joe Glass at Joseph Glass, and it just as a fan of animated films and watching a lot of animated films, I just thought it was really weird, and I hadn't noticed this. Uh, Tom Holland, the actor that plays Spider-Man, uh, he plays a character in the Spies in Disguise movie with Will Smith, and he also plays a character in the upcoming uh, Pixar movie. Um, gosh, what is that movie called? You know what I'm talking about, Hanson, right? Um, Onward. Onward. And so he plays characters in both of those movies, and they look basically identical. They look exactly the same. It's like the weird big nose, but it doesn't look like Tom Holland necessarily. No, that, that's like the weird angle of it. It's like it doesn't mm. really look like Tom Holland, but his character that they created, which I'm assuming they designed before they cast him, yeah. looks basically identical. And uh, not flattering either. It is based on him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so, not great. That's a weird thing. That get a load weird. of that. I will get a load of that. That's nice. Hey, get a load of this. Uh, when I was in New Orleans, uh, I went to the World War II Museum that they have down there. It's like the world's best World War II Museum, and it is... Incredible. My favorite thing is they have like a separate building where they just pack it full of planes. So it's like this huge hangar. It's like, all right, we just got a huge bomber up top. We got sweet P-51 Mustang flying in over here. It's just sweet to look at. Um, 
but they had a whole area focused just on D-Day, which was fascinating, obviously. And um, and there's one section that I don't think I really knew too much about, but the fact that they were putting and trying to seed so many other options and like use intelligence to try and trick the Germans into thinking that everybody was going to be landing on a different beach, like the most obvious connection here, all this stuff like that. But then they were so crafty. Not only were they like seeding false information out there about where they were going to land for the beachhead, but then also because they would go to the point and land in England that was the closest to that alternate beachhead and they would build up like fake bases there as if that was the base where everything was rallying to then cross the channel. Hmm. So it basically – they hired like Hollywood producers and people from the film industry to make fake towns, kind of like blazing saddles, to make it look from the sky at least that this was like a full operation, including inflatable trucks, like full Metal Gear Solid 5 Where are those now? I don't know. Yeah, I wonder if they still exist. But they have pictures of these inflatable trucks that they would just – inflate and then put her on the base so that German planes and spies would think, ah, this is actually was the that, full operation here. Was that literally a Metal Gear thing? Uh, well, there's like inflatable snakes in five. Yeah. But I forget if you could do a truck. Because I was like, that. I would just believe that that was just made up Kojima nonsense. Like if that was like if Snake could throw down an inflatable truck in Metal Gear Solid Five, but it's like, oh, I guess there's historical, <laughs> historical relevancy to that. For, That's weird. For being real tricky. There Interesting. Yeah, good I got a load of that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Anna? All right. Uh, get a load of this. Yeah. Uh, this is actually something I just remembered, so I didn't even find it from totally <laughs> scrolling through Twitter. Perfect. Um, so on TikTok, there, uh, the Mario Kart app is, like, seeing a huge resurgence. And so I spent, like, 30 minutes watching, like, Mario Kart mobile tutorials and, like, content on TikTok. What? Why? Yeah. Okay, so the Mario Kart game, mm-hmm. like TikTok is all of a sudden like obsessed with it now? Yeah, yeah. so it's been like a, a slow burn, um, but I have been seeing like a lot of um, like tutorial videos, um, but then also just like comedy videos. Um, it's really – the game is kind of wonky, and so they also make jokes about that that yeah. are really popular, and it's all just like – yeah, it's like blowing up. What it's a really- weird – yeah. thing to get a research yeah. 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 yeah i play that game a lot because i reviewed it um, uh, yeah I have, a, I have a question uh i i know i should know this but i don't really understand what tiktok is okay. <laughs> um, yeah. it's it it's i see yeah. ads for it and it's yeah. just some looping thing of somebody yeah. making silly sounds yeah so okay i mean you know what do you know what vine is yeah okay sweet <laughs> do you know what All bite right. is yeah, that's where I download my memes. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> oh, there's like hundreds of Reggie Fuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's where he goes. Yeah. <laughs> on the place with the memes. Um, yeah, so, okay. So basically, it's based on sounds. And it used to be called Musically, where people would um, like do, they would lip sync to popular songs, but then it got rebranded as TikTok. And it goes viral based on sound. So. Like there are popular sounds, so like one of a lot of Nintendo games are really popular on TikTok because they have ridiculous sounds in them that kids then riff off of, and they'll sort of do like acting to it. So what goes um, viral based on sounds? I don't know what that means. Well, so I mean, it's it's basically like Vine, except there's a more emphasis on sounds. Okay, yeah, so, you can like integrate your own song, like it's mm-hmm. built into the app. Like I want to use this song and, mm-hmm. and this sound effect and stuff like that. Yeah, so you can edit videos in the app and add popular sounds to your video um so 
let's see here. Like, it's also a lot of old songs are coming back because of it because, like, kids will make jokes about it. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Using it. So would I enjoy it if I downloaded TikTok and um let cruised? me send you let me send you like a curated list of TikToks. Please. Okay. Cuz you have to sh- like sift through a lot of stuff sometimes and the algorithm is kind of scary good. Um so if you if you use it enough it'll kind of like get trained and yeah. it'll know what you like and you'll know like. that I'm obsessed with Mario Kart tour. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean if you follow like three Mario Kart accounts you'll get like a ton of Mario <laughs> okay. Kart. Okay. Oh good. Yeah. Right. So do you do you use Byte at all? Cuz like no. I was I was like cuz that is the the genuine official successor to Vine. Okay. And it's like they don't they do weird things oh, like Oh, it just launched. Didn't yeah, it? Like yeah. Like they they you yeah. you don't you can't see your follower count yeah. and stuff like that, which I think Ooh, is, which that's I think really is interesting. Cool. And I really I enjoyed yeah. Vine a lot. Yeah. So like I'm excited for Byte, but I I I thought maybe TikTok would fill that Vine void yeah. in my life, but it's like it's it's I don't know. It's not it's not the same, man. It's yeah. different. You know, it's there are multiple periods where I Downloaded TikTok and then like pretty much immediately deleted it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then I don't know. Just one time, like you can only watch teens lip sim- lip syncing to "Hey Look Mom, I Made yeah. It" like so much. Yeah, yeah. sounds pretty good. <laughs> hey, thank you for being our youth correspondent. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now we all know what TikTok is. <laughs> I, I, we I can talk know. to our nephews. People and, are gonna yeah. be like, "What?" Because <laughs> yeah. of explanation. Yeah. TikTok but, to your kids. Yeah. <laughs> all right, everybody. Hey, that's an episode of the Minimax Show. Anna, thank you for joining yeah, us. Yeah, thanks no, for thank having you. me. Uh, thank you. You're welcome back at any point. Um, do you have a Twitter handle you want to yeah. plug? Um, Anna likes Pikachu. Um, <laughs> That wasn't taken? Um, Right? It's nice. And it's on it with one N. No. We actually don't really approve (laughs) of that. that We're not familiar with the concept of just one N. Uh, That's very sweet. Anything else you want to plug? uh, Glitch-wise or anything? Nope. Yeah. I mean, just if you follow me on Twitter, you'll keep up to date. Uh, I'm really excited for what we're working on and... Uh, if you like games, then I hope you'll be excited too. There we go. Pretty broad, but it sounds great. Cool. Thanks so much. And uh, thanks for watching and listening. Uh, we will be doing there'll be uh, maybe one or two bonus videos going live on YouTube this week. And then MinFax coming up on Monday. And next week, I think, will be a, a big fun one as well. So thanks for watching, everybody. We're listening. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Avon was the name of the town? Um, oh, this is on 300 lakes. It's like surrounded by water. Yeah, it's <laughs> oh beautiful. My God. It's beautiful. It was like such an idyllic place to grow up. Yeah. Because my parents would literally like let my brothers and I out into the woods. And mm. we during the day, we would just like set stuff on fire. And, and then at night, we'd like come home and play Smash. Yeah. It sounds like yes. a good life. Yeah. Hang on. Avon can't be that great. There are three big lakes, Jeffum. It's called <laughs> Lower Spunk Lake, Middle Spunk Lake, and Upper Spunk, spunk Lake. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. Yeah. Spunk Lake? Come yeah, on, I don't know what a spunk There's is, a lot but... of lakes, Hanson. Uh, yeah, it's 10,000 more. Um, you come up with 10,000 names yeah. for lakes. There's a restaurant called Chainsaw Man. Oh, that's new. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Um. Yeah, there's also the... The bar is like, Let's see. I think it's called the Buckhorn. It's just, and it has so many taxidermied animals. Yeah. Nice. There um, it is. Buckhorn Bar. Yep. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. There's a t-shirt in the Buckhorn Bar 
hanging from the ceiling and it says, I got a gun for my wife. Good trade, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Classic. 